All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the Twidwell studios are my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. We are so excited to be here, guys. For all of our live streamers that have been hanging tough, for all of our YouTubers that have been hanging tough, and for all of you OG podcasters, thank you so much for taking the time to be a part of what we do here and for allowing us to be a part of what you do in your life this week and each and every week. We are so glad to be here. We're so excited to be here. 95 episodes, man. We are getting ever so close to that 100-episode mark. Uh, there's, I think we've talked about it before on the show, that the normal podcast or the average podcast that gets started only lasts around six to seven episodes, and then people just kind of wrap up shop. I mean, to say that we've gone this far, man, I mean, it's been – I don't, I don't want to sound like Shania Twain here. Looks like we made it. But at the same the time, beginning, we've kind of made it, guys. I mean, we're, we're here. Yeah. We're, you know, we're kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, there's probably, you know, a ton of people that are listening or not listening right now to this uh, very podcast throughout this week. And if you don't, you're dead to me. And if you don't, and yeah. if you do, you might be still dead to us anyway because we don't know you and yeah. we don't even, no, I'm just kidding. No. It, we're just glad to be here, man. And, and this is fun. We always have a blast doing this. Um, this is going to be a straight up just us show tonight. Uh, we had uh, a guest uh, lined up, our guy Jay Binkley was going to come with us, but he's been having some um, unexpected family situations, and we wish him nothing but the best, and we're going to have him on as soon as possible. But nevertheless, we're going to prevail. We're going to keep talking what we do here, guys. We're going to talk about Chiefs football. we got a lot to get to. The Eddie Hour, the Monday Mailbag. We're going to talk about the Chiefs and Dolphins. We're going to talk about the Chiefs and Saints. We're going to be holding some L's. We're going to be handing out some L's, rather. Some people are going to be holding some L's. But there's a, there's a, there's a couple things I want to get to first and foremost. And, and it's you know due to the spirit of of the the holiday season that we are in, we are we are a week away from Christmas, the holiday in which we we give gifts to those we love and we care about, and it is always a goal in mind to to get a gift that lasts that matters, that will be uh, that something that will be of significant value for years to come, to and for that person you get it for, and, and no one wants a gift that is temporary that that loses value quickly. That would that would be deemed a waste. So we, we seek out what we will be able to play a, a, a vital role in that person's routine for a long period of time. And, and sure, the flashy gifts are fun and, and may excite that person for a time. That is until the that that you know it, it breaks the first time it's dropped. A game console is great as well, but can at times be counterproductive from them getting their papers finished for that overdue project at work completed. Sometimes it's the boring gifts that we end up appreciating the most because their value holds much more longer. I'm not big into getting gifts. It's it's not something I'm used to in my adult life. 
But when I get gifts as a young child, the idea of anyone getting me clothes and in particular wool socks or utility jeans and long sleeve flannels was something I considered criminal. How could anyone do that to a child? (laughs) But as time went on, I subconsciously would put those clothes to use far more than the Stretch Armstrong my brothers and I had ripped to shreds or already blew through the 12th Call of Duty game on Christmas Day alone. The Stretch Armstrong and, and COD game were fun gifts, but were they important to me at all after the excitement wore off? No. But do you know what I put on when I was headed to school four, four months later? The clothes. Chiefs GM Brett Veach is known as a gift giver in Kansas City. He was the one that steered Andy Reid's eyes to the one and only Patrick Mahomes. He's the one that was able to pay Mahomes along with Chris Jones nearly $600 million combined dollars in one offseason. He's the one that landed Tyron Matthew, Sammy Watkins, and Frank Clark, who have played significant roles in the Chiefs winning their first Super Bowl in a half century. Where Veach has struggled, however is in the gift-giving department in the draft. And allow me to be the first to say that I really like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I love Willie Gay Jr. whenever the Chiefs allow him to take snaps from the future Heidi shelf stalker Ben Neiman. And I really look forward to seeing what Lucas Niang brings to this team in 2021. But if we're going to be honest, in the overall body of work, Veach has missed quite a few times. I'm the biggest McCole Hardman fan and defender, but we have to be real. He hasn't panned out yet. He's young, and I will defend his youth, but his progression is lacking at this time. Juan Thornhill was a stud in 2019, but simply has not been the same since he tore his ACL in Week 17 last season. Guys like Derek Nottie and Rashad Fenton, Lord Jerry Sneed, and Mike Dana have shown glimpses of good to even great football, but for most of their early careers, it has been hit and miss. And then there's the absolute flops. Breland Speaks, Dorian O'Daniel, Colin Sanders, Armani Watts, and so on. And, and no one is going to be perfect in the draft, and I would never hold Veach to a standard close to it. But the standards have changed not just because of the Super Bowl expectations, but because of why the Super Bowl expectations exist in the first place. There is no mystery that the Chiefs have one of the thinnest offensive lines in the NFL, let alone amongst contending teams. And a lot of us, and a a lot of it hasn't been avoidable. LDT opted out for reasons far bigger and far greater than football. Mitchell Schwartz has been banged up damn near all season. Eric Fisher is hobbled, but is holding on by a thread. The team's third-round pick, again, Lucas Niang, opted out due to COVID-19 and injury concerns. And LDT's replacement in Kaleche Osimile blew not one, but two knees early in the season. Where it has been avoidable is the guys Veach has brought in to fill in depth and how they've been anything but an upgrade. And this is where Brett Veach's gift-giving via the draft has to change has to significantly improve. I have said it on several shows before, and I'm certain I will say it in the future shows as well, that the Chiefs not only have the world's best football player and quarterback in the world, but a $500 million investment that they must protect at all costs. Brett Veach has to gift the Chiefs roster 
with those wool socks, those utility jeans, and those long sleeve flannels, aka a new, far more talented offensive line. Mahomes can only be great if he's on his feet, and nothing allows a quarterback that opportunity more than a reliable line of protection. I fully believe that Veach will do what he needs to do in order to make this happen in the near future, but I truly hope that he sees through those aggressive eyes just how important it really is. More than even adding new blood and young top-tier talent to the receiving car, far more important than anything else at this current time, building a top-tier offensive line has to be priority number one for Brett Veach. I've heard countless Chiefs fans, and myself included, fantasize about the spectacle it would be to see Mahomes behind a line similar to that famous all-time great line from the 2003 Chiefs. Well, how did the Chiefs get a line that great? Did it just come together on its own? No. The Chiefs drafted all-time greats like Will Shields and Brian Waters, along with all-pros John Tate, then went to sign the great Willie Rofe and Casey Wigman. Trent Green was taking naps behind that line, and Trent was a damn statue with cleats. Give Mobile Mahomes the ability to cool in the pocket and pick apart a defense within that type of comfortability, and you have a recipe to wreck defenses league-wide for 15-plus seasons, which is what we all clearly want. But there's only one way that's going to be possible, and it begins with those gifts that you may not excite that may not excite you initially, but will carry you for years to come. So my challenge to Chiefs General Manager Brett Veach this holiday season is to give us gifts we may not love or value immediately, but we'll learn over time after the trophy case begins to fill and Mahomes is nearing his 40s still healthy and at the top of his game. And I'm going to leave it there. Cause we got a ton to talk about, guys. And I, you know what? Like, I've been liking this. Like, we've been we've been missing our get our consistent give, uh, guests lately. But I, I've liked that we jump right into the Eddie hour because I like get Eddie going <laughs> early in the show, man. Getting getting those getting those uh, those tires spinning quick. So I cannot wait to get to what Eddie has for us. And we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna review the 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 pre or review the Chiefs and Dolphins game from last week, and then we're gonna talk about this big time game in New Orleans, Chiefs versus Saints this upcoming Sunday. We got a lot to talk about. So strap in, folks. Hope you guys are ready. This is going to be a great show. Let's get this thing going. We'll get back to that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here alongside Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. And all of you. We are so glad to be here for segment number two. It is the Eddie Hour, as we do each and every week. Eddie's got some burning, 
Hot take questions, and I cannot wait to hear that. We never know what he's going to ask. I swear to you, we never talk about this. He, the, the ninja never reveals his secrets. So, Mr. Ninja, Eddie Ortiz, let us know what's going on, brother. All right, man. Not, nothing too fancy. Nothing too fancy. You know, just a couple questions I got for you guys. Uh, first question, we're going to go to the NBA right away. Uh, we're going to, you know, talk about the horse in the NBA, and that's uh, one uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. The horse. Um, that's yeah. his new nickname, huh? Yeah. The Greek horse. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that uh, super max that he just got with the Bucks. Uh, extremely predictable for me. Uh, I know we talked about this on the show and off air. I told you guys I, I fully anticipated that Giannis was going to stay in Milwaukee. It's it's in his DNA. Some people consider it a good thing. I don't necessarily, especially on a from a competitive side of things. I understand that Milwaukee has given him some good, decent pieces, and I understand that a lot of it isn't necessarily the pieces around him as to why they haven't won. Giannis has to play better in bigger games and in playoff series, um, and, and, and a lot of it's on him too, so he has a lot to blame to share. Budenholzer has not been good in the playoffs as a head coach. Um, all, all effects aside, I think that there was better opportunities for him elsewhere. I think that Giannis could have really exercised his option as a free agent after this next season. He could have held and really held the Milwaukee Bucks for ransom. I mean, if you think about it, Giannis has been bigger than that franchise has ever been, probably since at least uh, the days of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar being there. I would say that uh, you're you're looking at a guy that is bigger than his franchise, which is rare. And he could have handled this a lot better, in my opinion, but I expected it because, again, I think he's one of the types – that believes that loyalty is above all. And again, that's great. But if you look at the pattern of guys like that, almost none of them win championships. And the guys that do, they win a bunch of them, like Tim Duncan. He ended up not going to Orlando. I believe that was that's in like 2008. Though. Yeah, it was very rare. Because he had an rare. all-time great head coach, and Greg Popovich, and, he, and he great teammates. extremely well. Yes, they, they had already won titles by right, that time. Right. So I, I think Giannis is going to end up as one of those all-time great guys who never win championships, and it sucks because I think that also on the reversal side of things, when business comes to business, teams aren't loyal to players like players have been loyal to teams. Exactly. When Giannis is no longer in his prime, and let's say he's still in Milwaukee at 34, 35 years old, they're not going to hesitate to get rid of him if and when they have to. Yep. Unless they're just out comfortable knowing they're not going to win anything and their fans buy into that. I don't see him going out gracefully like Dirk Nowitzki in Dallas. I don't see things like that happening. I think that they're going to be like, all right, thank you so much for your you know 16 years of service. It's time to go, Giannis. I, I think that, unfortunately, he undercut himself. I know he made a shit ton of money, so I'm never going to hate on a man making over $200 million. But if you're trying to win championships, and we all know that Giannis has said that many, many times he wants to win championships, this isn't the move to make. I think he messed up. Yeah, I mean, it's a catch-22, right, because – one, in one sense, I'm extremely happy for him. He's more than deserving of that money and more. Um, the guy, what he's done for this league and you know his stardom, that he's self, a self-made individual coming from another country into a, a, you know, a, sport, a dominant sport in the U.S. Um, and, and shining. Um, and his, his God-given abilities, if you will, uh, what he's done uh, to improve his body and the work he's put in to be who he is now, uh, it's great. He's more than deserving of the money. But like you alluded to, um, you know, players being faithful to franchises is kind of a dying thing for good reason, because most of the time front offices, you're just a, you know, a piece. You're just, you're an expendable body. Granted, he's one of the the best expendable bodies you can have, but we've seen guys like LeBron get used and abused and big name guys, you know, just 
if they didn't get out of their situation, they would have died off in that situation. Um, this is, I feel like this is a similar, but not as bad as LeBron's situation was in early in early days in Cleveland. I do think Milwaukee wants to bring a championship there. And I do think the Drew Holiday move is a good move. They are actively um, trying to pursue other players and other star players and build a, a winning franchise there. It's just, it's Milwaukee, man. And very rarely do we ever see long-term success for small markets like that. It just doesn't happen. Right. And we've us as Chiefs fans know this very well. You know, that's why we're absolutely basking in the glory days right now as we're living it. Cause we don't know how long this is going to last in small markets. It's just not a common thing because t- players and individuals aren't attracted to, I mean, shit, LeBron there. couldn't get him in his first stint in Cleveland. Right. So if, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And, and there's Chris a, Walsh said no. and, and a caveat to that as well. Can Giannis take t- a team to the promised land? Can he do that? That we don't know. You know, he's not a proven champ. He's failed in the biggest moments. You know, I granted he he hasn't had like a true number two star to really compete with these other teams he's faced off. But again, he's he's lost to teams he shouldn't have lost and to. He's in the had playoffs. far better support to this point than LeBron did at this point. That's what I'm saying. So it's a catch twenty two for me because I am happy for him. He's well deserving of the money he got, and I hope he can bring a championship. I would love to see Giannis win a championship in Milwaukee eventually. I would absolutely love that. It'll be only be good for the sport of basketball. I do honestly, as a Drew Holiday fan, I'm, I think that's a great signing. I think. The fact that they kept Chris Middleton there and brought Drew Holiday there, that's that's going to be a legitimate trio. That's a, I, I do think that. I do think they will compete very strongly in the East. Um, but like I said, I, it's a catch-22, man. I just I hope Milwaukee can continue to build for him there because he's fully in, fully committed, and I give him kudos for that because a lot of players, especially nowadays, have taken their power into their own hands, which I respect also, but I equally respect his his – belief in himself to stay in Milwaukee, ground himself, dig his roots in, and build something there. Just as similar to Damon Lillard in, in Portland, a small market guy. I mean, with, with, the, with, with social media and with, with players being able to, to create their own identity, um, I think social media has definitely helped that sense of these players being able to you know, build their own brand, be their own person nowadays. So that's, this is never, it's never been this heightened ever. So um, I think he could do it. I definitely can see him winning there, and I think it can pay off. It's going to take a little more work than than most have have had to gone through go go through to get there. But I definitely believe in him and his work ethic. Um, I'm happy for him, man. I'm happy that he can get there. But you know, as long as LeBron's in his league, I don't see him, you know, beating anybody out of the West right now until that juggernaut's gone. But once that once LeBron's gone, Giannis will still be young. He can still make a push for it, and I could, I could definitely see him winning the ring down the, down the road for sure. Our next question: We're going to Major League Baseball. It has been reported that the Reds are not expected to sign, uh, re-sign uh, Trevor Bauer. So my question to you guys is, any idea where the National League Cy Young winner will end up? It's tough to say at this point. I think that you're going to see a, uh, a, a contender, though, uh, really go after Trevor Bauer. Because although uh, Trevor Bauer had his best season by far last season, Trevor Bauer has a lot of problems, though. He'll disappear for an entire month. Uh, he's an incredible. He has incredible movement on his pitches. He's an incredible fastball pitcher, which is everything in baseball. If you can throw the fastball and locate it, you're going to have a career. Many strikeouts. Yes, yeah. Trevor Bauer also, and he actually did a really good job this last season of controlling his attitude. That's always been his yeah. biggest issue: is controlling his attitude. As a pitcher, you have to stay even keel. You have to. But that's also what gives him the edge. There yes, too. as a starting pitcher, you have to be able to be a, a leader amongst your own mind. You have to be able to control yourself, and he's. Finally, I think, gotten to that place now that he's nearing 30. I, I, it's hard for me to say who it's going to be because baseball is such an odd sport because 
teams that don't have big payrolls will end up getting themselves in the mix and you don't know really know how they did it. If I had to take a wild guess, I, I, I would imagine I would imagine that you're looking at a team like the like the um, uh, Phillies. I think they'd be a team that would really utilize Trevor Bauer because the Phillies they they signed Bryce Harper to such an incredible contract. You know they're not trying to waste that. They're trying yeah. to get into a World Series. And with the Dodgers still being the power horse, with the Braves coming up, I, I'm so big on that Braves team. I think that team's going to win multiple championships in the next five to ten years. You have to think the Phillies are like, look, we have the payroll. He fits this team perfectly. He's got the stardom to him to a certain degree. He's got a, he's a recognizable name in a league that struggles to have stars. I I would say Phillies. I, I'd throw my I'd throw my hat at the Phillies. But like I said, don't be shocked if he ends up with the fucking A's or something like that. Shit, don't be surprised if he ends up with the Royals. The way they're, they're making moves, they're the only team that's really making noise in the offseason right now, signing people. And uh, I, don't, I don't think the Royals could afford. I'm no, I'm just I'm not I'm not saying that's where it's. I'm just saying they're the Royals. The ones been making moves probably more than anybody. It, with this being the COVID offseason after a strange regular season, yeah. with the shortened season, who knows, man, how how this is going to shake out. Him coming off the year that he just had, he should just honestly for himself follow the dollar signs, collect on that. Baseball, there's so much money in baseball. Literally any team can throw dollar signs his way. The, the cap is is non-existent. Um, so there's, there's, it's, there's, his limits are limitless. There's no limit, obviously, for him to – Basically, take his pick, pick his pick of where he wants to go. Because I'm pretty sure any team can use him, his personality and his skill set um, in their bullpen. So, I honestly, man, I, I'm not even going to try to throw a dart on the board here. I just, I think literally anyone could could jump up inside. I wouldn't be shit. I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees popped up there. They're always trying to make noise. Ooh, you put him and Garrett Cole together. I'm just saying, dude, nasty. You know the Yankees are always trying to get and the names. They got the money. Yeah, yeah the Yankees fuck. always want to get the names. I would not be surprised if the Yankees snatched them up. Yeah, that would and, probably be and, my and with pick. John Carlo and Aaron Judge missing 105 games yeah. apiece, you know, you're right. gonna need some you gotta pitching, depend on so. that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean honestly, just close your eyes and pick a team, I think, at this point, because this is such a this is gonna be such a strange offseason. There hasn't been much noise and moves outside of the Royals. So who knows? It's honestly, been a cold I, sto- yeah. stove, my my guys. It's been a very cold stove. Yeah, you know it's you know it's a weird off season when the Royals are. That's what I'm saying. Ones, yeah, getting all the headlines. <laughs> it's but, weird. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question: Have you liked what you've seen so far from Jalen Hurts? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know how you can hate it. You know, I, I you're, you're looking at. The, I think the real question is going to be: Is it sustainable? Right. That's the real question because it's fun. Let's be honest, man. It's fun watching Taysom Hill go out there and play Tim Tebow style football. It's exciting. fun because yeah, it's, it's so different. You know what I mean? Like it, you know what a prototypical quarterback can do. They should be able to throw between the line or between the seams. They should make the out routes and things like timing passes. That's not Taysom Hill's game. That doesn't really look like Jalen Hurts' game either. Jalen Hurts is a great athlete. First, he's not a great quarterback. He was never a great quarterback in college. He was an incredible athlete that played the quarterback position. Do I think that Doug Peterson can develop him into something? Yes, I do. Because I think he's got the capabilities. Unlike Lamar Jackson, I think that Jalen Hurts does have the throwing talent Absolutely. to uh, become and develop into a at least an average throwing quarterback in the league. So my takeaway of it, I've loved it. That upset last week is all on Jalen Hurts on the Saints. To be able to – I think they had over 200 rushing yards against the Saints who had the number one rush defense in the NFC at that point besides the Bucks. I think. Yep. I, I, I don't want to buy too much into it yet because that team has such a long way to go when it comes to building around him. But what I've seen from him so much, so so far is poise, efficiency. 
He's not making stupid decisions. I, he looks like a veteran right now. The problem, though, is, again, is whenever a quarterback is relying more on his athleticism than his arm, that is always going to be a red flag for me as far as sustainability. So if he can develop, I'm 100% on the Jalen Hurts bandwagon because, like, again, this guy's got all the capabilities naturally and physically. We'll just see if he's got it, you know, if he's going to have a eight to 15 year career. That is something I'm just going to leave on the shelf for now. Yeah. College quarterbacks coming into the league are more prepared than ever to play NFL football because NFL football is trended towards the college scheme. The way college very way more fast paced spread offenses, a lot of empty sets. That's more, that was always the college way because it was more flashy and fun. It was kids out there, but the NFL is definitely trending more towards the college scheme and the way that college football is played, which is great. Yep. It's great for the sports. NFL is probably more fun than it's ever been, especially with no guys question. like Mahomes coming no in. And I, I honestly, I like what I saw out of Jalen Hurts. I, he obviously everyone knows he has the mobility; he has that in him. I do think he's a much better thrower of the football than a guy like Lamar, or because he doesn't have to. I think he's already developed that. He he can he can be a pocket guy. Um, I think against that Saints team, they just deliberately schemed him just to run because that linebacker core would have got to him. Those defensive ends would have got to him if he was just standing in the box. That, that, that Eagles O-line is not great. So if they face like a, a weaker front, I can see them. And Doug Peterson, it, say what you want about him. He's in his mistakes and his the, the him committing too much to Wentz. We all know Wentz is more than likely gone and has been absolutely awful and dreadful this year. Um, I think Doug Peterson can make a thing out of Jalen Hurts. I think that they can be compatible, and I think that he fits more into what Doug Peterson would want to do. Because um, I think Jalen Hurts makes quicker decisions. He knows when to evade. If that pocket's collapsing, that was the knock on 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 Carson Wentz because he just would wait too long, hold on to the ball too long, would never throw the ball away, would end up fumbling it or throwing a nasty pick. It, it just, I mean, he might as well be Mitch Trubisky at this point. The way they play, they play almost exactly the same at this at this point of their careers. So uh, Jalen Hurts definitely has a whole lot more upside. Um, and in the right position, you know, if they, if they work on that O-line, he's got some weapons, young weapons there with Jalen Rager, who I like also, who they drafted. Uh, I think they can they can make something over there in Philly. And I definitely think, obviously, he stole the job. So him being a starter, him having that confidence behind him from his coaching, the coaching staff and the ownership over there in Philly. Philly's a great town if you're doing good. You know, so if he if he builds up that up and, and you know has a good start and wins a couple games, say he wins his next game. He has two wins under his belt already as the starter. That confidence can go a whole long way for a young cat like that, and especially in a big city like Philly, big market like Philly. So I'm excited for him. I want to see him, you know, take Philly to – it's been a while since Philly has had a really good quarterback outside of that one Carson once year, consistent good quarterback play. I know they won a Super Bowl recently, but that was pretty fluky for all being honest. It was entertaining, but it would just be good to see Philly football back, and I think he's going to be the guy to do that. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that whole – situation we've been uh that's been going on in the last couple of days with uh Marcus Peters spitting on Jarvis Landry. You know, I I wanted to kind of stay I actually I haven't tweeted anything about that. I didn't share anything on the spoken about it because it's one of those situations where you're not really sure what you're looking at. Um I saw Marcus Peters and I saw him spit. But let, it, 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 yeah. it's, it's, we see it happen all the time. I think what people are really upset about, is, it's two things. One, it's Marcus Peters, and people will jump at anything to, to, to demonize the player, Marcus Peters, and the person, the Marcus Peters. And two, because of the context of what we're living in right now. You know, it's COVID. You don't want to be spitting in the direction of people. So obviously I get that, and I'm, I will be sensitive to that. 
Do I think this is overblown? Yeah, because what happened was Jarvis Landry gaslit this whole thing by calling Marcus Peter Marcus Peters a coward. I, I think that's completely unfair. I, and, and honestly, I like rivals in the NFL, like individual rivals. And to be honest, there is nothing better than a cornerback-wide receiver rivalry. I loved it when Crabtree and Aqib Tlaib were doing that snatching of the chain. Tyreek and Ramsey. Yeah, I love stuff like that because it, it makes for good storylines. Yep. The unfortunate side of this one is these, te- these two teams don't see each other for the rest of the year. They probably won't see each other in the playoffs if both teams even make the playoffs. And to be honest with you, I felt like this was kind of a non-story to begin with until Jarvis Landry came out and said what he said. Because I don't think that Marcus Peters had really any intent of spitting on Jarvis Landry. I think it just looked that way. I don't mean to defend Marcus Peters blindly because I don't know what was going on in his psyche. I don't know what was going on in his mind. I don't know what was said before it took place. I'm just saying when I watched it time and time and time again, I'm like, I don't really know if I have a an, an initial like anger or reaction towards this in an emotional way because I don't really know what I was looking at in totality. Was it really was it violent? Was it intended intended to be that way? A was it spitting. was him saying I'm, I hope you get COVID now? Fuh, yeah. fuh, you know, like was that really what he was trying to do? Like I I, I don't see that. You know what I mean? Like I, again. Marcus Peters could have been being a fucking asshole and was really trying to spit on him and you know be you know been, not vindictive but uh, be uh, in, in a, in a meaning, meaningful way you know I, I don't know I'm just I my takeaway is I don't know if I really care that's where I'm at yeah and it's impossible to know you know we're not in Marcus Peters' head we're not we weren't not in we were not in his head at that moment but if I'm being honest with myself knowing Marcus Peters who I love I love those gritty guys in, in all, all sports I like the guys that shit talk and back it up even though he hasn't had the greatest year this year I I mean I feel 100% that he spit in the direction of Jarvis Landry I mean he had the whole entire open field in front of him in the entire left side of the field to spit in an entirely different direction but he literally hocked a loogie and shot it right at Jarvis Landry yeah. as he was walking away he had his head aimed at him I, I'm not going to put it past Marcus Peters is pretty petty. He's 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 said a lot of things and is has had a lot of antics throughout the years. Again, which I love. I love the guys with the edge and the chip on their shoulder constantly. Um, but I wouldn't put it past no, Marcus, Marcus Peters to do some petty shit like that. <laughs> he's got a reputation, and I don't. Yeah, like I said though, even if he did, I I know I know it. Like, what does it really do, dude? Do you, you, but this is football we're talking right. about. You guys think a little loogie. Being shot is worse than anything that goes on in the piles and like the trenches you, and the yeah, shit goes on. Yeah, these guys are getting each other's faces 50 times Dicks a game. being grabbed. I mean, balls being twisted. You know, yeah. you know, there's shit going on in those piles that no one wants to even speak about. Things being said that no one wants to repeat. This is football, man. This is the manliest sport you can have. This this is grimy, gritty. This is a grimy, gritty sport. A little loogie action. I mean, I, I this, do, I do yeah. think he's spit in his direction. This I, isn't I, but being I do talked think it's about, being, yeah, this is being, being talked about if we're not in the pandemic right now. And For I'm not sure. trying to downplay the pandemic. For sure. Let me clarify that. My point is, that's really what people are talking about. It yeah. isn't because he did something that's so horrible and, oh, my God, we yeah. need to really, like, take a whole week and talk about this on the national media circuit. Yeah, but at the same time, well, I mean, but it's at the same time, Jarvis Landry probably shouldn't be coming he out not, not knowing, yeah, and calling another grown yes. man a coward and speaking outside, outside of his name. I mean, how tough is that of Jarvis Landry to do? Oh, yeah. wow, you're such a tough guy. After you're going to say fact. that to the media, you right. know, 1,600 miles away from him now. Wow, what a, right. what a badass. Yeah, it's going to say that to his face in the game. It's child's play. Yeah. This is child's play stuff. This is just extracurricular nonsense it's not even a good story. It's just not. It's just yeah. like something that, yeah, like you said, it's being completely overblown. The fact that we even 
So there should be no punishment, you guys? Absolutely I, I not. I don't think so. Absolutely I mean, not. Yeah, this and is... What, what, what is, okay, my question would be, if people feel that there should be some sort of punishment, what to what extent? Because what? then because then you're setting a boundary. Yeah. Because then you have to say, okay, if I was to get into a player's face on the field and we're yelling at each other, there's going to be spit exchanged. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Am I not no longer allowed to do that too? Are we going to get suspended for that? Oh, yeah, I mean, if he spit in his face directly, that would be a whole different oh, thing. Oh, hold on. This we're is... talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's definitely being blown out of proportion. But I don't, I don't put it past Marcus to to do something like that, or to even you know hint at doing that. I mean, I know he's come out and denied it, but it's because it's get, a bad look. I'm finna get loaded. Yeah, you feel <laughs> me? Yeah. All right, last question for you guys. Um, so Randy Moss came out and said that he is quote the best wide receiver ever. To is second, and Jerry Rice is third, third or fourth. Do you agree with those comments? Um, it, it really depends on how we're looking at it. Uh, Randy Moss, I look at Randy Moss as like a Mariano Rivera type of player. He had one thing, and he was the best at it. You literally couldn't stop Randy Moss when he ran the go the go route. My mega, him and Megatron both. When he just ran, he, he would literally Randy Moss. It's so he's so legendary. There's true stories of this. I think it was uh, DeAndre Hall or uh, yeah, DeAndre Hall. Uh, was was talking about D'Angelo Hall, D'Angelo DeAndre. DeAndre yeah, yeah. D'Angelo Hall was talking about the stories he's heard uh, uh, of Randy Moss literally telling the right of uh, the corner, "I'm gonna run right by you. I'm not going. I'm not. There's no juke move. I'm just gonna run right by." He was letting him know what he was about to do, and he would do it. Yeah. He was a horse out there. You want to talk about a horse? That dude would gallop. <laughs> so, when it comes to the Marvel, when it comes to just the the. The highlight play, there is no wide receiver in the history of the NFL that compares to Randy Moss. But when it comes to the full game, when it comes to the complete wide receiver, Randy Moss was not the complete wide receiver. He refused to run down the middle. He refused to take the big hits. He was insanely productive. But, again, he was the home run. And if he doesn't hit the home run, Randy Moss really wasn't doing much for you. Go watch the 2007 season when he set the single-season touchdown record. Every single one of them was a 40-yard bomb. Like, he was just taking big-time strides down the field, not taking away from it. Yeah. My point, though, is guys like Jerry Rice, who had a route, a route tree unlike almost anybody ever. You're talking about Calvin Johnson. Nobody talks about Calvin Johnson with the all-time greats for some damn reason. Right, that right. dude gave nine incredible it's, it's seasons the, it's to the, the NFL. San, it's the same Barry Sanders thing because his, his career success. was short. Well, well his yeah. career was shorter, too. Yes, and, and, and if Calvin Johnson would have been in the Super Bowl like Randy Moss has been at one time. Or if he wasn't stuck in Detroit. Yes, yeah. and we're looking at these guys differently. Right. So. Do I believe that Randy Moss is the greatest definitive wide receiver of all time? No, I don't. Because to be honest with you, that's one of those positions where it's very hard to say this guy is without question the best. Because to Jerry Rice's side of things, he benefited off of having not one but two Hall of Fame quarterbacks to play with. Right. And Steve Young, he had him for the majority of that that stretch where Steve Young was on fire. Mm-hmm. So let's not pretend like Jerry Rice didn't have a lot of and they introduced great a new, quarterbacks a new to play scheme with. offense that worked in his yeah. favor. He played yeah, he played in a West Coast right. offense that the NFL hadn't adapted to yet either. Yeah. They didn't play a lot of zone back then. That was the other thing. He played a lot of man coverage, which is very easy to beat when you're very quick with your feet. So Jerry Rice's numbers in a way was a little little inflated. But Jerry Rice, like I said, could run routes that Randy Moss could never dream of running. Yeah. So that's that. It, it's very hard to say. I think that those guys were great in their own regard because at positions in the NFL, it's very hard to say definitively in some respects. 
who was the best overall because even like Ray Lewis and linebackers and things like that, you can say, well, that's the best guy ever. Right. But other linebackers play different style of football. So it's hard to really say by position who was the best ever at wide receiver. It really is. Yeah, it does not surprise me that Randy Moss puts himself first on the list. I mean, yeah. I, I think T.O. probably thinks he's first on the list too, and as they should. These are two. Yeah. These are all alpha male dudes. And you got, But the thing is, with lists like this, especially at wide receiver, you have to allow nuance into the list because I, I think Jerry Rice – all around is still the greatest as far as his route running capabilities. He was before his time. He blazed the trail for all of these guys. All these guys in the rest of the touchdowns. This is what I'm saying. I think he was all around still. I think Jerry Rice is all around still the best in my mind. Um, he's honestly, I think he's like the Muhammad Ali and, and, and Randy Moss is like the, you know, the Mike Tyson. Cause he has that knockout capability. He's, but I mean, Jesus Christ, Randy Moss is his name is a verb, you know. I mean, when your name becomes a verb in the league, you know, you got mossed. That's you, you've made your mark in the league. I mean, Randy Moss is known as that now. He's the get up, you know, the go get him ball guy. He's it does not surprise me that he thinks he's number one. He very well could be. And a lot of people's opinion, I think this is a very opinion based thing. Like I said, you got to allow nuance. I know people that think T.O. is the greatest, and I, I I fully support that argument because he's right up there. His numbers speak for themselves, and he played with not-so-good quarterbacks at times. He's played for some bad quarterbacks and still had incredible numbers. And Megatron, too. I mean, Megatron had prime Stafford, and that was amazing, one of the best duos ever. I've never seen a more dominant wide receiver in a three- to five-year span outside of maybe Antonio Brown. Right, and, so, and, and I was just about Megatron, to say Antonio yeah. Brown. My direct comparison to Jerry Rice is Antonio Brown because Antonio Brown was pacing Jerry Rice. He was. He was on pace to pass a lot of Jerry Rice's record if he wouldn't have screwed up his career. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's been guys that have had short-lived careers, which is Megatron, could have played for a few more years but called it short or called it quits early, which is fine. But Megatron was on pace to break a lot of records too, right? Some of Randy Moss's and he records. He was unguardable, right? Yeah. And he was stuck in Detroit, you know, uh, with the teams with terrible defenses and solely relied on Six, him. Three, two hundred and forty pounds, that could run a four three, yeah, like freak athlete. That's a cheat code, man. So no, I disagree with Randy Moss, but I, at the same time, I'm not going to tell him to his face. I don't think you sh- you're number one. If he wants to think he's number one, he should. You know, his numbers speak for themselves, and he's uh, he's done his time, and he's. He's a legend. He, he's his name is a verb, so I'll give him that. Real quick, the top three players, non quarterbacks of all time in total touchdowns. Yeah. Number three, Ladainian Thompson at 162. Oh, LT, yeah, yeah. Number two was Emmett Smith with 175. Yeah, Jerry Rice had 208. 208 Bro, that total. Is, that's rushing touchdowns plus receiving touchdowns. He had 197 insane. receiving touchdowns, 208 total touchdowns. Yeah. But way before his time. Way too. before his time. I mean, yeah. you're, you're talking about all, a style of football back then it was, was very running. slower paced, yep. a lot of running plays. For Jerry Rice to go out there and put 208 touchdowns together, yeah. it, 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 he's by far the most productive football player ever. It's back when like quarterbacks were throwing like maybe 20 touchdowns a year. It's yeah. Maybe. It's you incredible. Know? It's so incredible. he was racking all those. He was literally getting every touchdown his quarterback was throwing. Now, Steve Young. It's insane. I think Steve Young in the 90s, though, was averaging like 33 pass attempts yeah, a game. That's when it started trending. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah. he was they, throwing they the ball. Started that, so what you're saying that is uh, Jerry Rice made Steve Young a Hall of Famer. Uh, without question. Oh, I mean, yeah. Steve Young. Go look at Steve Young's numbers. <laughs> right. He had like four years where he was incredible. And then outside of that, he was very – He was remember, he started with the Buccaneers. People yeah. forget that. He struggled. Well, he also, the 49ers yeah. got him. And then he started to play really good football. Steve Young's like, another guy that also kind of took the league by surprise, yeah. too. He's an undersized wide dude, but he had wheels. He won the 94 MVP. They won a Super Bowl, I think, 90, I want to say 94. I think it was the same year he won the MVP. Yeah. Then he had, like, three awesome seasons to follow that up in, like, 90s, all the way to, like, 98, 99. They retired. Mm-hmm. 
but he he literally had like it took him like six seven seasons to even be known. Like he was never like a great quarterback. Yeah. And so those seasons, and Jerry Rice was a hundred percent a, well, a, a caveat to that. On the flip side too, yeah. Steve Young helped Jerry Rice big time as well. Man, he was giving him a lot of targets. Yeah. They were running up scores against a lot of teams too. So. Yeah, but yeah, that's it, it's so like Trevor said, it's, it's so nuanced. It's still yeah, but I still think Jerry Rice is the overall. He, he embodies to, the wide receiver. It's, it's hard to argue against him. Yeah. The numbers are there, man. So, all right, man. Well, that is it for me. Good Eddie Hour. Good, good Eddie Hour. We got another humongous segment to get to, guys. We got to cover review the Chiefs and Dolphins in Miami last week. Oh, another stressful ass game. Uh, Chiefs pulled it out, but damn, I lost even more hair, and I'm already bald. Uh, and then we got to preview the Chiefs and Saints in New Orleans. Another massive game for the Chiefs. Are they going to pull this one out with Drew Brees now back in the fold, or so we think? We'll get back to that after this. We are widening the corridors and adding more lanes. We are building a religion, a limited edition. We are now accepting callers for the KC Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at KC Hemp Co. Hey, yo. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside Lamar Jackson's bidet, uh, we're here with Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. We're ready to get this thing going because we got a lot of Chiefs football to talk about, guys. Um, I feel like we could say this about each I, – I, we could literally edit out the name of the team the Chiefs faced the week before and then give the take of where we're at on that game. Mm. And it would feel like the exact same game each and every week. <laughs> Look, I've started out a show, I believe it was just a couple weeks ago, and I stated that, look, we're, we're not going to sit here and, and bitch and complain about the Chiefs winning games. No matter how frustrating and stressful it is, and we all watch, we most of the time watch these games together. And we're, yeah, it could be the we're Seahawks the losing moment. to the Giants. Yeah, we're in the moment. Yeah, exactly. We're <laughs> in the moment, and we're pissed off because right. we know the Chiefs can be playing better. Going down against the Dolphins, you're, you're down 10 points to then going up 20, mm-hmm. to then ended up winning by 6. Score twenty four unanswered. It's it's so hard to explain this team sometimes, but to, to simply put this matchup against the Dolphins, I, and I don't mean to disrespect the Dolphins in any way because I think they're a team on the rise. I think Brian Flores has a really good thing going, and I think Tua has some promise. That defense is incredible. I mean, yep. Xavier Howard, yeah. unbelievable. Maybe the that maybe the play insane. defensive player of the year. I mean, outside of the Colts player uh, doing what he did against Derek Carr, but the point is is that I, I think the Chiefs showed in this game that they really are a week-to-week team because they they look at this team and they say, okay, we don't have to come out here and, and play our absolute best to beat the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that Andy Reid has literally put this team in a place mindset-wise of, hey, we go out here, we don't make mistakes. If we make mistakes, we do enough to overcome said mistakes. This is the first game all season long where Patrick Mahomes was costing this team. Patrick Mahomes was costing the Chiefs this game early on. I know there were some fluky plays, the tip ball, uh, you know, overthrowing Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which is something Patrick Mahomes does not do, overthrowing his, 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 his uh, targets. 
the Xavier Howard interception was just unbelievably athletic. That, that was, was a, just a great play. Yeah. And Patrick may have underthrown it a little bit. But Xavier Howard, you just got to give him credit for that. He got up on that, man. Despite that, though. Yeah. Despite that, you had a McCole Harmon fumble that was in the in near, I think, either in the red zone or near the red zone. Unacceptable. Yeah. That's another touchdown left on the board. Uh, the Chiefs had multiple drives that just died. They, they easily could have drove down the field if they really needed to, wanted to. Yeah, Travis and, dropped a first down. And despite, oh yeah, exactly. And despite yeah. all of those situations and issues and facts, four turnovers. Patrick Mahomes a thirty-yard sack, which is the longest since uh, it's been twenty years almost. It broke the record. Yeah, well, what's the record? I think in, uh, in I the modern era, the record was twenty-nine, and now the record should be thirty. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, they were saying something that's been almost twenty years since somebody yeah. had that sack. Yeah, okay. It was a brain fart. Regardless, sure. it, it, regardless, it was a completely horrible play. Yeah. Despite all those things, the Chiefs still dropped thirty-three points on the road when their tenth straight against one of the best defenses. road game. Yes, against one of the best defenses in the NFL, an aspiring young team that was confident going into that game. The Chiefs have a banged-up offensive line, and they still take care of business. Like for me, I'm at I'm at a place, guys. When it comes to Games like that, like they're stressful in the moment. But when I sit back and recollect, I'm like, this is the kind of game that's going to get the Chiefs to another Super Bowl. Because these are the kinds of games you're going to be facing or you're going to be in in the playoffs. Look at look at the way the Chiefs played last playoffs, last year's playoffs. I don't think they're going to be down 24 to nothing and they're against their first division, uh, in the divisional round, whoever they face. I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think you're going to be down three and a half scores mm-hmm. or four scores. But you're going to be in close games, and I think the Chiefs are going to be in games where it's going to be tight. And there is no team in the NFL that is more prepared and more experienced in tight games than the Chiefs. In the Patrick Mahomes era, the Chiefs have been down double digits eight times. Or uh, was it? Yeah, eight times. Was it eight times? Four in the playoffs alone. Yeah, it was eight times. <laughs> the Chiefs have lost one of those games. Yeah. One of those games. The second best was with Ben Roethlisberger. I think he's at three and two in that same span. So we have to understand that although these games are frustrating, the Chiefs are a week-to-week team. They take every opponent seriously enough, and they wait for the right moments to strike. You saw the 44-yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill. That was a play that said, look, let's just throw this down here. Let's get this touchdown. Let's get this drive over with. Only the Chiefs can get that kind of situation down, Pat. Literally, Pat. That is why I am so relieved. At the same time, I'm equally as frustrated because with Andy Reid's draw play obsession with this offensive line, I will never understand it. To be able to let Patrick Mahomes put these games away gives me a lot of solace with Andy Reid's decision-making because as frustrating as he is, at the end of the day, he does trust Patrick Mahomes to put these types of uh, gains and and, uh, opponents away when it gets that tense and it gets that tight because – I'm of the belief that when the Chiefs are up 27 to 23 with the final minute, they're going to win that game. The defense is going to do enough to win that game. But if they're down 23 to 27 with a minute to go, knowing Patrick Mahomes has the ball, I've seen it time and time again how the Chiefs end these games. It's not fun. It's very stressful. But the Chiefs do this unlike any team we've ever seen in the history of the NFL to win these this many close games. But real quick. I want to show you guys something because I want to get your guys' thoughts on this game, but I'm going to debunk a little theory that, that's been coming out. Everyone's been talking about how the Chiefs, are they're, they're just winning too many close games, which first of all, I mean, imagine that. You're, you're, <laughs> oh, the no. national narrative is they're, they're winning too many close games. Yeah. Say that out loud. 
The Pat the Patriots won six Super Bowls in the Tom Brady era, right? In those in those six seasons, their margins of victory were 14, 11, 14, 17, 15, and 15. Through 13 games this season, the Chiefs are almost beating teams by 12 points a game. That is in the same exact ballpark of all of those seasons, the greatest dynasty in NFL history. Well, that's with scoring being increased over the years, too. Exa- well, right. and not to mention this. Not to mention this, guys. Those Patriots teams were facing some horrendous AFC East teams, oh, yeah, and the they're running yeah. at the scores on those teams. Yeah. So with those, with that included, like I'm looking at these right. numbers. There were several games in those six seasons where they're beating the Dolphins 41 to three and 38 to six. Like they're blowing teams out in their division because they were terrible teams. Yeah. And those, and the Chiefs are still within those margins, and they still got three games to go. So the Chiefs are winning comfortably in, in, in actual, if we're being honest, in double digits every game. Twelve victories, they're winning by almost twelve yeah. points a game. That is a comfortable margin. So I understand that of late, the Chiefs have been playing close football. But you also understand some things. They're not only facing good teams, but you're getting again. We've talked about this a hundred times. The best. the best effort from these teams. So all in all, from this Dolphins game, my takeaway is it was so frustrating that the Chiefs that that Patrick Mahomes played as bad as he did in that first quarter. By far, his worst quarter of his career. Yeah. But to still go out there and complete 71% of his passes, to have 393 yards, to throw two touchdowns late in the game, incredible passes, by the way, both of them, and to have a 102 quarterback rating and finish that last drive to give the Chiefs that victory shows you just how all-time this guy is. That's his worst game of the season, which would have been some guy's best game of their season. His worst game of the season ended in a win. Yes. You know, so like, yeah, we turned the ball over four times. Pat throws three picks. And did any of us ever really fear that we were going to lose that game? No. I never once thought we were actually going to lose that game. It never even crossed my mind. I was like, we're going to figure it out. I, I, the game was absolutely frustrating. Watching Cole fumble and get the ball literally just punched out with ease. After, you know, and seeing Pat throw picks, just such a, a, a bizarre occurrence. It happened to happen three times in one game was just super weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, I never even it never crossed my mind that we were even going to lose that game. But at the same time, man, we got to play better. But I, I heard a lot. I've read a, um, an article talking about how the Chiefs. I think the people or somebody I can't remember who it was by talking about the Chiefs are just bored, and it does seem like we're playing with our food a little bit. It seems like we get kind of complacent and we're just kind of like, yeah, we can kind of coast through a game. I'm not going to say that that's what's happening, but it does feel like that sometimes. We get, we get very vanilla and we, we get complacent and that's when picks start to happen. And I think that's what happened. And we kind of have, and then once we, I don't know what it is, man, this team just likes to have a chip. This team likes to kind of be backed into a corner and have to scratch and claw its way out and find a way to win. It's like, like I said, it feels like we're, we're like a lion playing with our food, letting our food kind of get away. They from want to fight bit. back. Yeah. yeah they, 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 back. yeah they want what, something to fight back. At. Yeah. It yeah. feels like we want a little, like we want, we want that challenge. Because look how easy it was for the Chiefs to go That's, up 20 points. Who scored 24 unanswered like points? That. Just like that. Yeah, you just know? like that. Almost in a one quarter, we scored 24 unanswered points. So uh, it ne- I never felt like it, the game was in doubt. I never felt like it was ever out of reach. And it never does when you have Pat because literally it, it, it just, it's never completely out of reach. But we got to play better. I think our defense has been playing better. Our defense was on the field way too much that game. Just point blank, period. And when, when we get turnovers, this is the thing that's bothered me the most. I can deal with Pat having turnovers every once in a while because it's rare. And he can have a bad game, which is fine. And he can get a pass because he's Patrick freaking Mahomes. But our defense, when we when our defense gets those turnovers and forces those turnovers, we got to credit them 
by putting points on the board after those after those turnovers. Yep. And it's just we we, we get turnovers. We're what fourth in the league, I think, in forced turnovers, fourth or fifth in the league in forced turnovers, and we rarely score points off of them. We always give the ball back without you know putting points on the board. That's how you make teams pay. Yep. That's how you put teams away. Because our defense has playing been playing overall better. We've been improving in a sense, similar to last year. Our defense was horrible the first half of the year. Second half of the year we made a push, and all throughout the playoffs we played well. So to the, your the point, game, yeah, go ahead. To your no, to your point, Patrick Mahomes has three turnovers, and the Chiefs defense only gave up ten points on those three That's turnovers. What I'm and we, and they're on the field a whole and, lot. And we got to give some praise here. A guy we've been calling out a lot is Frank Clark. He had his best game in the last finally, yeah. at least two months. And Hitchens is secretly quietly behind. We finally see. We finally saw Tyron. What yes. Chris Jones can do Man, when yeah. Frank Clark is actually having a and, good and, game. And, and Trishard Wharton playing well. Yeah. Mike Dana playing well. It yeah. opens up things for Chris Jones. Chris Jones not getting was double having, all yeah, game. Chris Jones was just yeah. having a game, and he was actually getting to the quarterback. Yeah. He was getting to it. He was frustrating to it because he was always in his face. Yeah. So when yeah. Frank Clark does his job. Lo and behold, Chris yeah. Jones can finally, you know, hallelujah, use that something. Yeah, exactly. Release the Kraken, man. Yeah, and and, to, and 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 now that we're looking at this matchup with the Saints coming up, it's funny that the comparisons for Tua have been a left-handed Drew Brees. That's been the, the big comparison: size, he, he the way they throw good. the ball. He yeah, looks good. Tua, Tua looked pretty damn good. That was his best game by far. Now, going into this game, this whole week long, we thought that okay, you know, they're they're talking about Drew Brees to kind of gamesmanship the Chiefs. I was on Darren Smith's show, the ship. On eight ten WHB last night, and I said the same thing. I said that I think they're using this just to give Taysom Hill a little bit of a unexpected edge against the Chiefs because they have to game plan for Drew Brees. And then we get the news today: Adam Schefter broke the news, Ian Rapport and the other guys broke the news that Drew Brees is in fact going to start this game, despite just five six weeks ago, eleven eleven, ribs. 11 broken punctured ribs, lung. a puncture lung, forty one years old, long too, yeah, forty one years old. Uh, Look, guys, I know the news is coming out initially. I'm like, damn, like they're really going to throw Drew Brees out there. And then a few hours later, we get the news that Michael Thomas, the number one target on that team, is exactly. not playing because of his prolonged ankle injury that he suffered in like week two, week three. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. And I want to talk about this matchup, but I got to address it. I still think this is going to be smoke and mirrors. I know that they're going to start Drew Brees. He will start this game. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that we're going to see a ton of Drew Brees in this game for multiple reasons. One, he is not even close to 100%. And when he is 100%, he's an average quarterback these days. Well, when he was 100%, and, they would still rotate and take some hill. Exactly. Yeah, right. And so that's the point, is that they know that Drew Brees, they got to have him if they want any chance at a Super Bowl. They, if, they, if they want an, an inch of a chance of a Super Bowl, they got to have a, a healthy-ish. I think the Drew Chiefs Brees. are aware of that. So, yes. Yeah. So I truly believe, guys, that we're going to see Drew Brees. He's going to go out there. They're going to do the little dinks and dunks and try to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Yep. But he is not going to be able to beat the Chiefs over the top. So the the, the Saints are going to have to use gimmicky plays, trick plays. Sean Payton loves those. Mm-hmm. He, that's why he loves Taysom Hill because he does all these weird little you know crazy ass didn't see it coming type of things. I, I Michael Thomas I, is I huge though. I'm fully expecting the Saints are going to use some stuff on special teams. Fake punts, uh, onside kicks, squib kicks. You're going to see them throw a lot of different things to the Chiefs to keep the Chiefs on their heels. I really I don't think Drew Brees is going to have a big game. I think he's going to have 10 to 15 pass attempts. You're going to see a ton of Drew uh, uh, Taysom Hill. I'll take it a step further. 
I think we're going to see Jameis Winston in this game. I think you're, there's a significant <laughs> chance the Chiefs have to face three different quarterbacks in this game because Sean Payton knows that he has to do whatever it takes to inch closer to the Packers because they know the Packers have that tiebreaker against them and they're a game up. So it's really two games if we're being honest here. So the Saints are fighting for desperation. They don't want to go up to Lambeau when it's five degrees and snows hitting the ground yeah. with a 41-year-old quarterback still recovering. If you're in the desperate, playoffs. putting Jameis in the game is not good. Don't play a you're desperate Jameis. Des- That's the desperate. worst kind of Jameis. I'm just letting you guys know. I, I <laughs> don't be shocked if we play uh, this recording of this segment James right here next week when we see Jameis Winston under center. And Taysom Hill's already played under center, and Drew Brees is. I'm just scared of Alvin Kamara. And, That's the only guy yeah, I'm scared and that, of. And see, the only way the, the only way me. Alvin Kamara is effective in this game well, is if Drew Brees is out. Absolutely, there. he's going to get ten That's to fifteen targets. Gonna yeah, he's going to get a lot of dents and dunks. He, he can eat this Chiefs defense alive yet, if they really wanted yeah, to. Without I was excited about this matchup. Now that we we get into this matchup side yeah, of things, okay. I was very excited about this matchup when I heard that Taysom Hill was going to be the guy yep. starting off. Right for for one specific reason. All season long, the Chiefs have been incredible. The defense has been incredible against mobile quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson beat the shit out of him. Justin Herbert, close game, played pretty well. Josh Chiefs got Allen. the victory over him, right? And they made he made a big mistake at the end of the game with that turnover. Josh Allen beat the shit out of him. Lamar Jackson, once again, beat the shit out of him. Against mobile quarterbacks, the Chiefs have been awesome. So Taysom Hill is the poorest of poorest versions of all those guys we just mentioned above. Okay, so I knew that the Chiefs were going to be able to limit him from doing anything spectacular. But then they bring up the whole Drew Brees factor. And just from the naked eye, let's say Drew Brees was 100% healthy. That is the best opportunity for the Saints to win this game by far. Because he can beat the Chiefs over the top every once in a while. Not not a ton like he used to back in the early 2010s. But enough. You know, Jared Cook seen route for 33 yards, a big third down conversion. Uh, Michael Thomas on the, on a slant pattern ends up going 28 yards on a third down. Emmanuel Sanders on a big deep route, yep. you know, wheel routes, you know, to Alvin Kamara. Those are the types of ways that you can beat the Chiefs defense. But here we are, guys, looking at it. We have to – you can't just throw it out the window. That Drew, just Wednesday, we were getting reports that Drew Brees was nowhere near ready to play He's football. barely starting to, like, take reps at practice. Yeah, now all of a sudden, he, <laughs> hallelujah, he has yeah. arisen. No, that's not the facts, guys. And, and, and it all stems from the Eagles' loss. If they would if they would have taken care of business in Philadelphia, we're not even talking about Drew Brees playing because he wouldn't be playing. Right. They would say, Taysom Hill's getting the start. We'll see what happens. We lose this game. It's an AFC matchup. We would still be close to the Packers. It, it's no big deal. But because they lost to an NFC opponent, you have to consider that. And now it's a desperation heave. Guys, I don't think Drew Brees is going to be good in this game. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to have much of a difficulty fighting him because they're going to stack the box. They're going to make him beat them over the top, which forces Taysom Hill in the game. Then Taysom Hill is going to have his struggles against this defense. And that's why we're going to see Jameis Winston in the game. Drew Brees hasn't been very good all year. He's been a game manager the last couple seasons, if we're being honest. So I'm not worried about Drew Brees. I'm worried about them just getting the ball out quickly because our defense struggles about our defense struggles, our linebacker struggles, our, our safety struggle when we're attacked quickly. And, and getting Alvin Kamara in space is scary. That's one of the dead. We saw what freaking Christian McCaffrey did to us, you know, and in, in that in that limited uh, amount of work he had in that game, that his first game back against Kansas City, he looked incredible and he destroyed our defense. Uh, luckily, he got knocked out of the game towards the end there and kind of. Possibly save the game because that was a competitive game. But Alvin Kamara, man, I mean, you get him with or without Michael Thomas, he's going to be the number one weapon. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a competitive game. I think the Chiefs win, um, but I think I think the way the Chiefs should approach this game, I'm not sure this is how they're going to do it, but I think – I don't know. I don't see Jameis Winston getting out there unless Drew Brees gets hit, which I don't even see him getting touched or uh, any any of our defenders smelling his cologne because they're going to get the ball out so quickly, whether it's running the ball consistently uh, with the running backs or just dinking and dunking it. Um but I, I think the Chiefs got to play the slow game. I think we need to have slow, methodical drives that, that end in touchdowns. We need to finish our drives. I think we're going to try to beat the Saints at their own game. I think we're going to have a lot. I think we're going to see. We started seeing that trending last week with passing to the running backs. Finally, we didn't see much of that all year. Um, and we started seeing Le'Veon Bell getting catches. We started seeing Clyde getting catches, which I love. When this offense has the running backs involved in the passing game, it, that's when it's at its best, right? Because you, you don't know where the ball is going to go. Um, with this, with the way we spread it out, um, so I think we're going to have to beat them. I don't think we're going to need to go out there and put thirty up to win this game. I think we can go have a boring twenty-seven and just get this game done. Because <laughs> this this game means more to the Saints than it does the Chiefs. It absolutely does. The Saints have to win this game. Yeah. They're trying to get. They, Drew Brees needs that buy. Chiefs just need to beat the Chargers and the Falcons. Right. They beat uh, those two teams. They for sure have are going no matter what teams. happens with the Steelers. Yeah. Chiefs have. For sure I think we. Them. I think we put up a boring twenty-seven. Like I said, I think we have. Seven, eight total drives that are just slow, you know, candle burning type of drives where it's just a, a methodical, you know, dink and dunk. I don't think we need to take too many risks to beat this team, get the ball out quickly because our offensive line is shitty. Um, and I don't trust them against this, this stout defensive front, which is one of the best defensive fronts. I don't think we're going to have any success running the ball. This is the best rushing defense in the league. Um, up there with the Steelers and the, and the Ravens as far as rush defenses. These guys get after the quarterback, so Pat's going to have to get the ball out quickly. Get out of this game clean and, and, and injury-free. We already have injuries that we're dealing with right now, especially on the O-line that I don't trust at all. We saw Miami did with that that with the pressure they're consistently getting on on Pat. So if, if Miami's giving that pressure on Pat, the Saints are going to do that and more. Uh, and they got great DBs, so I think we need to play the underneath game and beat them at their own game. Yeah, I, I do believe that this is going to be a super close game. Uh, I, I really do think this is going to probably come down to a last-minute field goal. I really mm-hmm. do. Expect the winner win by three points uh, in a last-second field goal. Um, it's not going to be high scoring. Uh, I don't think I'm even going to go up in the upper 20s. I don't think it's even going to be that that much. Uh, just for the single reason that our O-line is, is hurt, is banged up. Yeah. They're shitty as it is, yeah. healthy. Now we're, we're, we're looking at a banged-up uh, offensive line. I do, I, I do believe Eric Fisher practiced all day today. Uh, good news. Yeah. But but still, healthy or not healthy, that offensive line is atrocious, mm-hmm. and you're going up against probably the best front seven in the NFL and they only break right four now. Most of the yeah, time, right yeah, now, right. So with that, we we've seen what 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 happens when when they they only send four and then everybody else cover four, two, yeah, two, cover two, yep. Yeah. And Patrick just can't. Our worst nightmare. Pa- yeah, Patrick just can't seem to find any target. We can't get open. This is why throwing it's to gonna, the running backs is going to be It's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be an ugly game. It's going to be one of those frustrating games again, like the Miami game. Yes, I, I, I yeah, we did score over twenty points at one point. Uh, and, yeah, unanswered. Thirty plus. Yeah. But I, I, I just don't see the Chiefs' offense going out there and just you know just. 
doing their thing, you know. Uh, it's going to be a lot closer than what a lot of people think. Well, uh, this is two great head coaches going at it. Exactly. Yes, we're going to see the best of the best. Right. And Andy Reid is going to have to come out with those creative play calls if he really wants to beat this defense. I think this defense, a lot of work from our running yes. backs. Uh, I, if he wants to beat this defense, he's going to have to bring out those plays from from the playoff book. Yeah. He, it, this is the game. But like like you said, you mentioned the Falcons and the Chargers. We can lose this game, and then we we had, we just have to win the win out. I don't think the Chiefs are looking at that. I think the Chiefs are looking at winning all three games. Yeah, we got. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. They, they're That's not even looking at the yeah. at the possibility possibility of losing. This can possibly come down also to Andy Reid not managing the clock correctly. Like we've seen him under pressure. Like we've seen him not being able to manage the game. We've seen him uh, those. Uh, uh, what is it? Those draw plays that Lance loves oh, watching every single game. <laughs> we're not gonna be able to do that against the Saints defense. No, and, and no, we're no. still gonna do it. We're yeah. still gonna do it, which I, is gonna suck. And, and like I said, this is gonna be another frustrating game for like us Chiefs fans. It's gonna be frustrating. I can see us getting the win, but I can also see the Saints getting the win. In this, this is game. this is how I see this game going down because I actually I'm gonna start to lean more to A's. You've been saying this for the last couple of weeks, and you've been right for the last couple of weeks about these being frustrating, drag out. How the hell was that, this game that close type of victories? Yeah. You're, you're probably going to be right. I still think the Chiefs are going to score some points in this game, though. As crazy as that sounds, because although the Saints have a very good defense, this isn't an all-time, you know, remember this defense, put them in stone oh, type no, defense. No, no, no. Their front seven is very talented. Cam Jordan is going to be a Hall of Famer. They got incredible secondaries with Marshawn Lattimore, who was taken before the – or, yeah, I think he was taken before Patrick Mahomes with yeah. the Saints. Um and then they have Janoris Jenkins. They have Malcolm Jenkins. Here's the thing, though, guys. Marshawn Lattimore has not been the same player this season. And he struggles with fast receivers. Yes. They're that is a the, – the double moves that Tyreek Hill is elite at yes. is the thing that Marshawn Lattimore struggles significantly at. And that is going to be the guy that follows Tyreek Hill across the field. So I expect, although the Chiefs are going to get the ball out quicker this week because obviously they are struggling badly – at offensive line and health and all those things, they've been. But here's the thing: this is nothing new for this Chiefs team. Yeah. They have been struggling with offense. Like we talked, I talked about the opening monologue. This is something that the Chiefs have had to struggle with all season. I expect that they're going to utilize the playmakers early and often outside of the, as soon as the ball is snapped. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be getting the ball out of his hands quick, like Trevor said. Yep. I think they're going to beat the Saints at their own game, which is hike. Throw the ball. So this is going to be an Alex Smith game. We're going to have to use I, our, utilize our speed underneath. They're going to pick their spots. <laughs> I think Patrick Mahomes. Don't be shocked if Patrick Mahomes has over sixty rushing yards. Dude, I was just about to say that right Ooh. now. Think about this. There's going to be some design runs. For yes, yeah. yes, it's there has genius to be. Yeah. because they're not going to be able to put a spy on Patrick Mahomes because Travis Kelsey is going to own the middle of the field. Tyreek Hill is going to be all over Lattimore in this yeah. game, not the other way around. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, unless they do like the the, the rush four, like the the, the 49ers were doing in the Super Bowl, yeah. and we saw Pat just struggle, yeah. and he yes. just could not get it done. Well, they're Patrick playing, is going to especially when they're playing too high safety. Too high, exactly. They play. So if, if we see if we see early in the game the Saints just rush four and actually getting too Pat, right. this is going to be a bad game. Sure, but the, the beautiful thing about this is we have yet to see in over forty plus starts in his career, Patrick Mahomes has not been shut down for four quarters. The Saints are not going to be able to shut him down. All for he four needs quarters. is one quarter. Yes. So the third downs is what I'm going to be looking at yeah. this game. Is he extending it with his legs? If he does that, they're not beating the Chiefs in this game. I, I, we and saw that by any game. And, and, yeah. and here's the thing. I know that having Drew Brees technically on paper is make, giving the Saints a little bit of a better chance that went from a four-point a four favorite for the Chiefs to three points, yeah. whatever. 
this is the kind of thing that actually helps the Chiefs, if we're being honest. And I know that sounds crazy, but hear me out real quick. I know we got to go to break. Patrick Mahomes gets up against legends. He knows. He like wants. He wanted to face Brady. He, he lost. Yeah, that. he lost yeah. a couple times to Brady, but in every single one of those games, he outperformed Tom Brady. Every single one of them, he played better than Tom Brady did. Yeah, those were some bad defenses. Second half. The second le- half. The, yes, the, I'm saying in totality. <laughs> as, as, and looking back against legends, this is going to be one of the few games in Patrick Mahomes' career where he's going to be the younger quarterback against a legend. Yeah. Because from now on, from rest of his career, it's going to be these young potential legends facing Patrick Mahomes. He's facing these dinosaurs. This is he he wants to be able to say I took down Drew Brees in the one matchup I had against him. The most productive quarterback of all time. I'm going to be breaking his records in 12 13 years from now. I want to be able to say I beat him that one time I had a chance. The Saints are not going to get the Super Bowl in my opinion. They're not good enough offensively in my opinion. They have the weapons, but Drew Brees isn't good enough. Taysom Hill ain't leading you to shit. So I think Patrick Mahomes is actually going to have a monster game. Whether it's going to be 350 yards in the air, which I expect him to have 300 yards passing, I think it's going to be his legs this game that gets the job done. I think he's got a rushing touchdown in this game. I think he's going to have over 50 rushing yards. And I think the Chiefs are going to score points in this game. I think they're going to shock the Saints defense because we know in games like this, when the Chiefs face defenses that can get pressure on the quarterback, they excel. I know they play the too high safety, but that's going to open up the defense for Patrick Mahomes even more because, again, he's his mobility, his 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 able his ability to improvise. Pat, Travis Kelsey sitting in the in the zones where there's open pockets. I'm telling you guys, do not be shocked that the Chiefs put up over 30 points in this game. I'm not saying the Saints aren't going to reciprocate and put up 26, 27. In I'm this saying game. 27 points for the Chiefs. It could very well happen. I think the Chiefs are going to eclipse a 30 again. I Oops. think they're going to do it. I just got to throw this in there. Uh, I believe the last time that the Chiefs went to the dome. Was uh, when they went two and fourteen. I'm just gonna throw that out. There. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that, Eddie. I think the Chiefs actually won that game, though. Jamal Charles actually. They, they had, did. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The last time yeah, they went pitch. to the dome, yeah. they went two and fourteen that season. They <laughs> yeah. got Eric Fisher. The yeah, next. that's yeah. right. That that's yep. Just and a side note, real quick before we go to break, it is important the Chiefs have Eric Fisher. And since 2018, the Chiefs are 32 and five with Eric Fisher right. in the lineup. They're four and four without him. Mm. They're a 500 team without Eric Fisher. He's extreme. He's not great. He's extremely valuable to this team, at least for the next year. So we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get to you guys, the listening, the viewing audience, the Monday Mailbag. We'll get back to that after this. Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. What we like to do... Every single week on Mondays is give you guys an opportunity to give us whatever it is that you're steaming on, man. Whether it's you know something that has to do with the Chiefs, or it could be an NBA related topic, it could be MLB, or you can be weird like Eddie and talk about F1. Whatever it is, we'll give you guys the opportunity. We're going to get to that right now. But real quick, before I get to that, I want to add one little thing to our last segment regarding the Chiefs and Saints. Uh, in that matchup, and why I feel so comfortable, even more so now that I've really looked up the numbers while we just took a break, um, in regards to why I think Patrick Mahomes in this offense is going to score points against the Saints. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, the only quarterback that's even comparable to Patrick Mahomes in this league right now, 
Uh, in week three, played the Saints, a much healthier Saints, I might add. Um, and Aaron Rodgers in that game, without Devontae Adams, I might add, arguably the best wide receiver in the league, completed 66% of his passes, 283 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions with a 125 quarterback rating. Patrick Mahomes is not only better than Aaron Rodgers, but has better weapons than Aaron Rodgers. He has a healthier, obviously, weapon uh, 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 ensemble, if you will, than Aaron Rodgers did in that Week 3 matchup. And still put the beats on the freaking Saints defense. Again, healthier, less games, less wear and tear on that team. Drew Brees is out there balling. Didn't matter, though. They still beat that Saints team 37-30. to just don't be shocked, guys, if Patrick Mahomes goes out there and puts three, four touchdowns on the Saints defense. Just don't be shocked. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm giving us 27. I, I fully expect – I'm expecting at least 27. That's why I'm giving us 27. But, yeah, it's – I'm not – we put up points every single – it does not matter. Right. The, our offense up against any defense, it doesn't matter. We're going to put up points. So, I'm, right. not, I'm not concerned in that area. But the reason I'm so fixated on the scoring total is this. If the Chiefs score 27, the Saints have a really good chance of winning this game. For sure. I if think the it's Chiefs eclipse 30 points – the Saints don't have a real chance of winning this game because at healthy, they put against a much inferior defense in the Packers as opposed to the Chiefs. They put up 30 points and still lost by a touchdown. Well, like I said, I think these are two of the greatest coaches of this era going at it, and I think we're going to see them trying to outdo each other. I think there's going to be some points scored in this game. Some fireworks, yeah, for, sure. for sure. For sure. So let's get to the Monday mailbag, Eddie. All right, man. First question comes from uh, good old uh, Shaggy Shane, friend of the show. Friend of the show. OG. Uh, you know, he his questions always involve a little story. Which I, I like, like it. it. Story time. <laughs> story time. I gotta close my eyes. Grab your blanket. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta imitate Shaggy. Yeah. Grab your snuggies. Uh, yeah, the Chiefs have let two blowout road wins become closer than they should in the fourth quarter of the last two road wins, up twenty seven ten at Tampa and thirty ten uh, at Miami. And in the two road wins at Tampa and Miami, both Tom Brady and Tua were able to recognize all the blitz packages sent from Spags. How much does this concern you? Uh, it will concern me if it continues in the playoffs. Does it concern me for the rest of the season? No, because I think the Chiefs are going to win out because it, it, they're, they're, they have the upper hand in every single remaining uh, matchup that they have uh, and, and just a, a total team. If the Saints are a worthy opponent, let's, just, let's, let's clarify this. But there's a significant drop off in quarterback, even with a healthy Drew Brees. Let's say again, let's say Drew Brees was healthy all season, and they came into this game. Patrick Mahomes is twice the quarterback Drew Brees is at this point. So I'm not worried about it because I don't think it's going to be the end all be all. But when you get into the playoffs and you start facing these teams that you know, are worthy opponents every single week for the next, you know, for two three weeks. Yeah, they're going to have to button that shit up. But see, that's the thing is I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the Chiefs are going to come in there fully engaged. We're not going to sit here and pretend like they've been fully engaged as a team. They haven't. I don't remember the last time the Chiefs put together four quarters of great football. I don't think that's going to be the case in the playoffs. I think the Chiefs are going to put together four quarters or at least three quarters of good dominant football in the playoffs because they know that is where they've been waiting all season to be. Since they won the Super Bowl last year, that is where the Chiefs are like, okay, we are good enough to coast to another Super Bowl. Do I like that as a fan? No. In fact, I hate it because I think it can be very counterproductive and it adds a lot of stress to my life, quite frankly, even though they're 12-1. and one. But I think when you get into the playoffs, the Chiefs, Andy Reid, his game planning is going to be at an all-time level. Spagnuolo is going to write up a lot of different exotic blitz packages and they're going to be effective. 
and you're going to see Tyron Matthew and guys like that control the middle of the field. Juan Thornhill will finally start to be catching a strike because at that point, it'll be a year that he's actually, since he's torn his ACL, and that's when you start to really recover from that type of injury. So I am, I'm not worried right now, but if they, if we go into that divisional round and they're facing the Colts, let's say, right? And they have that, they have that offense booming with those three headed monsters in the backfield. You're defense. damn right. I'm being a little defense. worried. You're, yeah, we'll have the upper hand in Phillip Rivers. 39-year-old Phillip Rivers is going to turn the ball over a couple times. But that Colts secondary, that Colts defense, that pass rush with Justin Houston and the guys, yeah, yeah that would concern me a little bit. So, Plus yes. Buckner. But for the rest of the season, no. Not not at this time, no. Yeah, I mean, the most frustrating thing to me that's been all year for me that, that I struggle with every week is I don't know what – I expect points, but I never know when to – I never know what to expect as the game's beginning. Either it's either the Chiefs have a really hot start to a game, and then we coast the rest of the way, and we 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 just we you know barely stumble to the finish line and get the victory, or or we start really really hot, and 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 we we, uh, or we like I said we, we start really hot and we, we stumble across the finish line and just kind of coast with that lead, or we start really really slow and we have terrible first opening script to the game. And it just fully, fully falls, falls flat, and we have to adjust at halftime. It's either that or the other. It's either one or the other. We never have a full, complete, put together game, and that's been all year. And that is the most frustrating thing, as far as the defense goes. I mean, I, I think our defense. I, I do believe in trends, and I do believe in, in, in rhythm. And I think our defense is starting to kind of catch its rhythm right now. I think Hitchens has been playing really good, consistent football lately, um, and Tyron's definitely been coming alive because Tyron was pissing me off the first half of the year. He was he was shadow boxing out there. He was playing patty cake with guys. He was never trying to tackle anybody. He's been making plays. He's been getting more picks lately. He's been spying the quarterbacks, watching his eyes, ball hawking like he normally does his whole career. Tyron started to look like Tyron again. He was really pissing me off earlier in there. But I think our defense has really started to come into its own. Similar, Like I said, similar to last year. Right before the playoffs, the, the defense started catching its groove. Frank Clark came alive. And Frank Clark should has no excuse this year because he hasn't really been dealing with the injuries and, and the, the nerve damage and stuff that he was last year, as far as we know. Oh, I can't um, wait to hear the excuses. Once what I'm he, saying. So Frank Clark has no us that he's been injured yeah. all year. I fully expect our defense to come ready. Um, there's nothing more frustrating to see Pat consistently dealing with pressure on, on, on one end, having to evade the pocket immediately, and then and then watch our defense not get pressure at all. Yeah. We can't have that consistently happen. We're not going to win. But at the same time, the game's on the line. We're in the postseason. Who do you want at the helm more than Patrick Mahomes? The games are all. I, I'm always comfortable knowing that we have a chance because he is the one that has the ball in his hand. But at the same time, our defense. I like I said, I fully expect our defense to get it together. They've been playing better as of late. We don't. We never allow outside of that Raiders game, which was caught us by surprise. That's an outlier game. Those we don't allow a lot of points. So at the same time, like I, I'm not really worried heading into it. I, I believe in trends, like I said, and I think our defense is trending upward, not downwards. All right. Next question comes from Donnie Couch. Hey guys, sorry I haven't been asking questions as much as uh as much. I recently hurt my shoulder lifting some furniture, but I hope y'all are having a great day. Should the Chiefs defense stop playing soft coverage at the end of the game? Well, first of all, Donnie, it's uh, it's fully okay that you didn't ask me a ton of questions this week. I understand life gets busy, and I hope you're I hope you're feeling better, bro. Um. Is the, he said, does it concern me that, that they play soft coverage? Should the Chiefs defense stop playing soft coverage at the end of the game? It really depends on what the score is. If the Chiefs are up, 30, if the Chiefs are up 37 to 17, no, I don't care. Just get the clock to run down and get the game over with. Is it, if it's 27 to 24, yeah, I don't want them playing soft ass coverage. 
And I don't think they will as the season draws closer to the end. I think that the Chiefs are going to – Trevor just said it. They're going to start buttoning shit up. I think that the, the, the defense is at its healthiest point of the season. Frank Clark's playing his best football, which is just football, period. We've been getting way better against the run yeah, Chris last Jones, couple weeks. Tr- Tr- we don't talk enough about Treshawn Wharton Man. and Mike Gana yep. playing in- incredible football over the last couple of weeks. Nobody just helped out. Chris, that's, that's almost helped Chris Jones more than even having Frank Clark playing some football. It, it frees him up to get down to the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, having Okafor back, I mean, that's yeah. a big thing. Like, like I said, this this defense is starting to finally find its groove. And Trevor said it, Tyron Matthew, I think he's had three interceptions in the last two games. Yep. Uh, it just, it's all about situational football. Yeah. So I don't think that if and when the Chiefs are in a close, you know, nail biter in the playoffs, they're going to play soft, you know, cover three defense. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to see the defense clamp down, try to get their best pressure possible against the against the quarterback. And and I think Lord Jarius Sneed, I think Breland, I think those guys are going to button up their opponents, man. I think that's what's going to happen. I don't want to oversimplify this, but I think that's what's going to happen. I think soft coverage gives a bad rep. I'm fully, I fully support the soft coverage. Only if we're getting pressure on the quarterbacks. Right. That's been my whole issue with the defense all year. I know our DBs. We have so much talent in our back all around. Uh, but the, the the frustration on my end is this: I don't see enough mixing up of the blitzes. I love Spag's system. I love what he he's obviously more. His scheme is definitely in favor of the DBs and the quarterbacks and putting them in right in the right position. This is why we never allow big plays over the top. Very rarely do you see it. outside of that Raiders game where you're getting burned over the top. It very rarely happens. If you want to beat the Chiefs, you're gonna to have to beat us underneath. We don't allow you to burn us over the top very rarely. Um, but we got to get after the quarterback. We got to hit the quarterback. I'm, and this week, I'm not expecting much of that because Drew Brees is always the least sacked quarterback almost every year. Um, him and Tom Brady are very, very rarely get sacked. Um, but yeah, I mean, we got to mix up the blitz packages. And I, I noticed this past couple of weeks we have been doing that. I've been seeing more stunts and twists. We have too much talent up front and, and absolute freak athletes with Frank Clark and Chris Jones and these guys we've been we need to you know either like do rushes up the middle completely storm the middle and force the quarterback especially quarterbacks like Drew Brees and mobile quarterbacks I want to see more of that I want to see more hits more pressures even if it's not sacks we got to force pressure that's how you make mistakes when you place you can play soft coverage and that's how you get picks right cuz you don't have to press you can play back and you can play off the you can play the ball instead of the player all the you know not to lock them up every time that's how plays get made. That's how you allow guys like Tyron Matthew to make plays on the ball, not have to play a player, you know, chest to chest. That's what we. That all starts up front when we get pressure. So if we get pressure and start getting that consistent, a consistent pressure up front, then we can we can keep we can keep the soft the soft zone or just play back all day. And I'm fine with that. We've been doing that pretty much all year, and it's honestly it's worked. We haven't allowed many teams to score thirty plus points on us pretty much all year. So I'm honestly fine with it as long as we're getting pressure. I think we just got to. We really got to get our blitzes going. We got to get Frank Clark's got to wake up, and it looks like he's been awake these last couple weeks. And like I said, it's our defense is definitely trending upward. All right, next question, Johnny Couch: Is Travis Kelsey the offensive player of the year, or could you make a case for Tyree? Yeah, both of them have a really legitimate opportunity to be offensive player of the year. What a luxury! Uh, I will <laughs> say this, and I'm going to give t- Travis Kelsey a lot of praise. I think when when he does set the new single season receiving record for a tight end that's going to put him over the edge as the favorite especially being on the best team in the nfl uh, all the notoriety that comes with that being well, the got super Bowl yeah there's just a lot of narratives that swing in his direction the guy though that i think should get serious consideration for is derrick henry to be able to be leading the league and rushing the way he is and have so much on his back 
not only is he an offensive uh, player of the year candidate, but a legitimate MVP candidate. The Titans are one of the best teams in the NFL. It has almost everything to do with Derrick Henry because they have one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. They get blown out almost all the time on the defensive side, yet they're always the in The craziest games. part is he's not a pass-catching back. Exactly. He's simply he's a, a freaking horse. dimensional <laughs> running back. He, right. is a, he, is a, he is a running you back. you can't straight, stop it. He is a running back straight out of 1993. Yeah. And he is – it doesn't even matter. He's different. Man. You, you he's, can throw him in any era he's and he's going to dominate. Derrick John Henry, bro. Yeah. I'm telling you, that guy is – uh, he's the only guy I would confidently take over as offensive player of the year. The, the difference, the reason why I can't give it to Tyreek Hill is that Tyreek, the thing about Tyreek is he does it in bunches. Like, I know he's scored touchdowns in consecutive games and all that, but he hasn't had, like, great games consistent. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, he'll well, have, like, three catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. But, hey, I'll take that. Uh, Travis Kelsey has had, what, four straight 100-yard games. I know he hasn't had as many touchdowns as Travis Kelsey or as, as Tyreek Hill. But he's had more of an imprint on games. You know who the ball is going to on third down. You know who's getting the big play. It's Travis Kelsey on a consistent basis. He's got more receptions than Tyreek Hill. He's got more yards than Tyreek Hill. He's averaging more yards per catch than Tyreek Hill, as crazy as that sounds. So he's getting more yards per, after the catch than Tyreek Hill. Like, he has been the catalyst to the receiving game for the Chiefs. And that's despite Tyreek Hill having 16 touchdowns. So... No disrespect to Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey, right now, if I had to put my vote as the Offensive Player of the Year, without question, outside of Derek John Henry, it's Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, the reason I wouldn't give it to Tyreek Hill is because Travis Kelsey has been better. Yes. Just point blank, period. It's uh, They're both incredible. But the, Travis Kelsey, like I've said, oh, damn near since week three and moving forward this entire year, every week I watch him play, I say, you, you hear me, I say every week, he's the most consistent receiving option in the NFL, the most consistent offensive weapon in the NFL. Out of all weapons, he's the most consistent every week. He's right up there with he's he's getting almost double digit tar- targets, eight to nine catches every week, damn near a hundred yards every game, damn near a score or two every single week. And there's nothing defenses can do about it because there's a, there's this connection between him and Pat. When the play breaks down, I've never seen anything like it. Never. I've never seen anything like the connection that I mean, I maybe. I know Brady and Gronk had a similar connection when the play would break down, but Gronk doesn't have the mobility and and the and the just the, the pure athleticism that Travis Kelsey has. He's more fluent and he's more of a receiver esque. Gronk was just a big bulky dude that would just get up and get it. Travis Kelsey moves like a receiver, right? And he's he's definitely more technically sound than Gronk was. So this this connection they have when the play breaks down, it's it's beautiful, man, to watch that he knows how to find the the open empty spots and sit and know where Pat Pat knows that Pat can get him the ball. And there's not much DBs can do about it. So, um, yeah, in my mind, I, I, I don't think Travis is going to win it. I just – because it just never goes to a tight end. I hope he does, and I really, I really, really want that to happen. I just don't see it happening. Typically, it goes to a receiver or a quarterback or a running back every once in a while. Um, but, man, I, I could see Aaron Rodgers possibly winning it because he's played amazing. This is one of his best years. Rodgers definitely is going to win MVP. So, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> I think Rodgers can win both, man. He's played incredible this year. I'm just saying. Yeah, you, you Rod- Rodgers has been nothing short of amazing. That's what I'm saying. And this might be his best career. Who called that shit? You did. Who called that shit? Reverse said, psychology, baby. For, for, <laughs> not said, Trevor. He didn't even have him in the playoffs. <laughs> Rodgers is hey, going to go off. You know that's my guy. But, I mean, I just, he didn't even look. have him in the playoffs. <laughs> shit. Reverse psychology. Uh, yeah, baby. It works. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly, man, how how awesome would it be to see Travis Kelsey win that award? That'd be so cool. I hope he does. The first tight end ever to do that. It would be. It makes sense. I mean, the guys that, like I said, the most consistent offensive weapon in this league. So, 
All right, uh, next question. Am I crazy to say that the Chiefs play better defense without Damian Wilson uh, against Miami? Uh, I don't know about better. I just think they played good defense without Well, and they weren't facing an elite running back yeah, of I any mean, sort. So. I mean, no matter how you twist it, Benton even still gets snaps. So this defense is always going to have a little bit of a gut punch at the linebacker position until they finally decide, hey, you know what? We we spent a valuable pick on Willie Gay Jr. Maybe we'll play him. You know, he played 17% of the snaps last week, and it's in week 13. Like, it makes no fucking sense at all. What's, what's happening in it's, that? There's a lot of theories I have. I, I think that the Chiefs are – holding him back a little bit because I think he's not – I don't think he's caught up to the defensive scheme yet as, as much as they would like. That's the only reason you can convince me that Ben Neiman's getting snaps over yeah. him at this point. Ben Neiman is going to be working at a grocery store <laughs> in the very near future, and I mean that with all sincerity. That guy is – remember how Kurt Warner was – Friend of the show. <laughs> Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner, Hall of Fame quarterback, was sacking groceries at one point <laughs> of his career. You don't think Ben fucking Neiman's going to be doing that? I mean, Ben Neiman's actually going to – he sucks ass – He's the, he's the Nick Kaiser of the defense. So, uh, yeah, I, I, Willie Gay, the only thing I can really come up my only theory is that he's – because he's super talented. It's not that he don't have the talent. He's a freak athlete, I just yeah. think he, he's he's learning the scheme as the season goes. And it's and to his defense, he didn't have an offseason. You know, there was no OTAs. Yeah. There was no preseason. There was no training camp. There was I mean, they had training camp, but to a certain degree. So uh, he's behind, and I think that's what it comes down to. And it's very frustrating for me because I think when Willie Gay finally starts to pop – this motherfucker is going to be a badass. I think he's going to be an absolute phenom in this defense. But no, I don't think that the, I don't think the Chiefs' defense is better with the Wilson, without Damian Wilson. Yeah, Devin's a simple. It's a sample size issue. It was one game, uh, and obviously we allowed the, the Miami offense to score points. So it wasn't like our defense was incredible. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a sample size. It's a one game sample size. We'll, we'll need to see more of a sample size to make that kind of judgment. Right. All right. Do you think the Donny Couch? Do you think that the Chiefs are going to drastically improve the pass rush this offseason? I don't think drastically, no, because they have so much money tied into two guys that they already have at those positions. So, no, I think that they're, they're guys that they're not paying right now are going to be guys that start to progress. So, I, hopefully, yeah, and with, and, and within the house. But I don't think they're going to go out and land a couple guys. No, I don't see that. No, and I don't think we need to. We need to drastically improve. We have the guys. We just need those guys to perform right, and do their jobs. We have the talent. Just do your damn job. Okay, okay. Uh, last question from Donnie Couch. Why is Taylor Horton Tucker so good at basketball? What's that? Wait, say that again. Taylor Horton Tucker or Horton Tucker? So good about. Oh, that's that. That's the second year guy for the Lakers. Oh, what about him? Why is he so good at basketball? Oh, um, he played a lot of basketball in his day, and he made the league. <laughs> and he's, I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm not trying to be an asshole, but I, it, he's look, he's shining in the preseason. Uh, he's got LeBron James to learn from. All right, what do you what do you see in this game? Let's put oh, it that I way. mean, he's he, honestly is kind of like a jack of all trades kind of player. He plays good defense. He's a long arm guy. Um, he has a handle. He's very fundamentally sound. Um, uh, you can tell he's learning a lot from LeBron. His his patience in the game. Um, he can score kind of from kind of all facets. He's he's at, he's got a wow. decent jumper and he's good at driving the lane. He's a high energy guy, high motor. Um, I don't think he's going to be like a star or anything in this league. I think he's I think he's kind of a diamond in the rough kind of guy though. Um, and I think playing on this Lakers team is going to be very beneficial for him, for sure. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right, uh, next question comes from Ben Hall. And we just got two more questions to go. Uh, do you think the Pages will win their division in the next 10 years with the success of the young teams like the Bills and Dolphins standing in their way? I mean, it's hard to project next season, let alone 10. But, no, I, I, I think that the, I think the reign's over, and it's the most you know prestigious reign of all time. 
But I think it's over. I think Belichick, if he doesn't leave New England soon, I think he's either going to probably retire soon just because it eventually ends. And that's, I think that's where they're at. I think they're at the very tail end of all this and they put up a prolific fight this year, but it's, it is over. Yeah. You I think, think I, you think Cam Newton's like, no, I, I think Cam Newton is going to be a stopgap at best for the Patriots. Yeah. If they get lucky enough to get a quarterback of the future, but I, you can't, it's hard to strike lightning twice within a 20 year. Unless they go for Trevor Lawrence. That's what I was going to yeah, say. Unless they trade their entire farm well, system, basically. Would or you, if would Trevor Lawrence, I would do it. Yes. Or if the jets get Trevor Lawrence. Yes. And to see what happens, I mean, the Jets could become something if Trevor Lawrence is, you know, don't kid yourself on that. I'm just, no, but, I'm just saying Trevor Lawrence could be that good. Yes, if, jo- if Josh, and I Allen, do believe Trevor Lawrence if, is that good. If Josh Allen is for real, like we believe he is, that the bill is going to be the Bills' division for. for okay, but if we're all being years. honest, Trevor Lawrence is a is a better talent than Josh Allen. Yeah, he absolutely. Okay, is. so if Trevor, but the Lawrence, Jets are a terrible franchise for sure, and so are the Bills. So what I'm saying is, this division is. The Bills have been shit for how long, bro? They haven't been that. The Jets have had over this past couple of decades. The Jets have been better than the Bills. Well, I definitely agree. Okay. I, they, they, the Bills have been the Chiefs, basically. Okay, so, seven, but, eight, but, twins, but who, eight, has seven, the, who has turned the Bills around? Josh Allen. Absolutely right. So Josh I'm McDermott, saying, or McDermott, and if we, and if we think Trevor Lawrence is a better talent than Josh Allen, he can turn that Jets franchise around as long as they get out and gets out of the door. Right. That's all I'm saying. If they, if they make some changes and Trevor, and Trevor Lawrence goes to the Jets and. That he, he they can become the team there too. Yeah. I feel like this is kind of a toss up, but as of right now, it's definitely Josh Allen's yeah. division. If they go at sixteen, Adam Gates should definitely lose his job. Uh, yeah, you should. He's, he's, he's gone no matter what. Yeah, you should not be. I like think the only reason he's got his job still is to ensure they go on. He's 16. got nude photos of somebody. <laughs> yeah, hey, my that prediction is about to be right. You on killed my... that shit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, I know. <laughs> Hey, y'all laughed at me, but I was like, "Well, because uh, it's only happened twice in NFL history." Of course, we laughed. Yeah. Well, especially with Tom Brady being gone and the breakup of that. Like, I figured they would win a couple, but yeah, Jesus, man, it rough. Yep. All right, man. Last question comes from Billy Hodge. Uh, what concerns do you have with offense if the O line isn't healthy? The only concern we need to have is Patrick Mahomes staying on his feet. Yeah. I mean that's that's what it comes down to. Thirty yard sacks. Even with the bad offensive line, this Chiefs defense, this Chiefs offense is averaging thirty one points a game, and they've had a bad offensive line all season long. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's all about just protecting Patrick Mahomes. That's where it all starts, and that's where it all ends. If, yeah. if you can protect Patrick Mahomes just long enough, we're going to score points. Chiefs are going to score plenty of points to win games. That's just that. That's that's the end all be all. And I love that you saved Billy Hodge for last. That's really cute of you, Eddie. <laughs> I mean, look, our, our 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 offense goes as our offensive line goes, and that's for any team. And if you give Patrick Mahomes time to make plays, our chances of winning games are much that much higher. Yeah, I mean, we've won so many games just by the mobility of Patrick Mahomes and the creativity of Patrick Mahomes and the overall skill set that Patrick Mahomes has, the raw ability he has. So you give that raw ability and time to, to execute plays comfortably, everyone else is screwed, man, because we've literally won games off the, the little chin hairs of Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, I mean, offensive line is huge. The games are won in trenches. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's of the highest of importance, man. So Do you guys think these O-line will step their game up as the playoffs come on? I just don't think our O-line is very good. I I don't I, I think if we bring our A game it's not it's still not very good. This is why we don't run the ball because we have no we, we're not able to block for our runners. We had that one really good running game this year against the Bills. Outside of that, and that's because that was a depleted defensive front. Oh, they had yeah. a couple guys out. We can't run the the ball consistently. This is I mean, at the same time our offense is built on the passing game and we run through the air and we still win games. So I mean it's kind of a catch twenty two. Our O line's bad. Why, why, why do you think I started the show talking about <laughs> right. Brett Beach has to get this offensive line in right. check? It's a massive concern for me. 
Every so, single week, I'm nervous as shit. It's just because I know that they're gonna they're gonna let Patrick Mahomes get hit, and it terrifies. And me. that's the real reason we lost that Raiders game too, yeah. because they Raiders no name time me outside of Clellan Farrell, who's been okay and has been in and out of games because he's been hurt. That's the reason that Raiders won that game because they were they were getting sacks and pressures on, on on Pat that entire game. I know the Raiders put up points, but that's because we were turning the ball over. And, and I believe and the Raiders were like last in the league in sacks this that's year. That's what I'm saying. Crazy. That's what I'm saying. And then we, on the other flip side, we couldn't get pressure on them. That's yeah. a problem. When you're consistently getting pressure on your quarterback and then your defense can get no pressure on the opposing yeah, It doesn't team, matter if you have Patrick Mahomes. That's a lopsided yeah. game. You very rarely win those kind of games. And so. even so, the Chiefs lost by a single possession. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't because they put up points. It's because we, we were getting pressured the entire time. So we'll see a lot of offensive uh, line changes. God, you have to. Awesome. There's no honestly, I'm not expecting that. I'm ex- I'm expecting more creativity from the offense to avoid having to depend on the offensive line because I just don't think we're good. I don't think we're good. I think we're going to have to work around it. Mm. I think that's the facts of the reality. Mm. All right, man, that's it. Good Monday mailbag, guys. Really appreciate all your guys' efforts on that. Um it yeah, that was a lot of fun and it's a lot of different topics. I like that as yeah, well. It's kind of bounced around. around so. Yeah. We got one more order of business. I believe it's called Hold this L! I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the him, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. It is time to hold this L each and every week. What we do is we hand out some friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports. And regardless of who or whether, whether it's friendly or friendly or not, I promise you that whoever is hand, getting these L's handed to them, they are absolutely deserving of them. So please, whatever you do, don't feel bad for them. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo, 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 yourself. Who is holding the L for you this week, my man? And why is it F1? It's not F1. Yeah. I can't keep uh, to the tradition going. The season's <laughs> over. Uh, so I think F1 uh, L's are done for, for this year. Maybe what's the season? I call picks bullshit. I bet, I bet by next week's episode you have an F1 L. Uh, see, uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, it's going to happen. I, I, don't, I don't see it. <laughs> they could, it could have potentially been one today, but thankfully, you know, uh, the men upstairs <laughs> – his job, Mr. Yahweh. <laughs> but no, nah, man, I'm gonna have to give it to this uh, uh, Mexican league soccer team, uh, Cruz Azul. Uh, they went uh, from a four-zero lead to losing the game. Uh, that that on its own, it's ridiculous, embarrassing. Uh, yeah, it's it's embarrassing. Uh, there's no no other way to put it. But earlier this week. Uh, 
the Con- CONCACAF uh, Champions League uh, kicked off again. Uh, where it left off back in, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, March around March time frame when the whole pandemic started. Uh, this game didn't get played. This leg didn't get played. Um, it was a uh, Cruz Azul against LAFC. This was this was uh, kind of Mexico versus USA, MLS versus Liga MX. Obviously, everybody knows that the Mexican teams, the Mexican league has an edge on MLS. Uh, and they've had it for years and years and years. And, and we've seen that year after year. MLS teams just can't seem to win this championship. I think LA Galaxy was the only one that won it. And I think it was in 2000, if I'm not, if, if I'm being correct. Ah, but other than that, MLS teams have no shot at even making it. So... LAFC, Cruz Azul, Cruz Azul being one of the best teams in Mexico this previous season, uh, played amazing soccer, played great. Uh, They were the favorites to beat LAFC. Obviously, MLS teams are not that great. But what this team is known for is losing those big games, just like the 4-0 the week prior to this week. They were leading 4-0 and they lost. <laughs> yeah. So that's rough. Yeah. So they came back. Uh well, they didn't come back, but uh Champions League kicked off again. Then they played. They ended up losing 2-1 against uh LAFC. And this is an LAFC that that's that struggled all season. Uh Carlos Vela didn't play all season pretty much. He, he came back towards the end of the season. Uh they got eliminated from MLS Cup uh, playoffs pretty quick. Uh, nothing special about this team. Cruz Azul being uh, up in the in the in the standings in in their own league came and yeah, they just couldn't do it. So Cruz Azul, the only thing they didn't fucking lose was uh, the airplane. You know, they 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 got that was the only thing they <laughs> found. Oh, that. Yeah, they they were able to find that. So for me, that's enough to you know. Hold this L. Trevor Twidwell, who's holding the L for you this week, my man? Uh, my L is going to go to Jerry West. Um, I know you guys have heard the story that's recently came out. I know it's allegations right now, but it's definitely trending towards this being a factual event. Um, there's a man suing. So basically a man is suing. A man goes by the name Johnny Wilkes. Uh, works for the Clippers or worked for the Clippers. I'm not sure he still does. Um, basically, he's suing Jerry West. I'm just going to give you the rundown of it. Johnny Wilkes contacted TMZ Sports, um, and uh, the allegations are that Wes left a voicemail for him on July 1st of 2019, around 2 p.m., uh, expressing concern that Kawhi would choose the Lakers over the Clippers. Um, it says, Wilkes says, in the, name, in the same message, Jerry thanked me for all my efforts in getting Kawhi to sign with the Clippers. So this, obviously this guy was a... Uh, um, a factor in where Kawhi went. Um, Team Z Sports has obtained the voicemail in which a man who sounds like Wes says, Hey there, this is Jerry calling. I really want to thank you for, uh, a lot for trying to help. I heard this morning that everyone over in Lakers camp thinks they're going to get him. Uh, end quote. Uh, I just found it. I just find it hard to believe. This is Jerry still. I just find it hard or allegedly Jerry. Um, I find it hard to believe that he would want to go to that shit show where he would not even and wouldn't even get his name in the paper. He wouldn't even be the face of the franchise. That's for sure. He might be the best player on the team, but
but hope things are well. And again, I really, really appreciate everything you've done. So pretty much, I know these are allegations, but it, it definitely seems, I don't think this guy would be going out of his way to sue for all these things uh, for, for no reason, right? And to be giving these voicemails for that. Um, just the fact that Jerry, the history of Jerry West coming from the Lakers franchise, going to the Clippers, the stepson of LA, of that franchise, being of such that a building. Pristine character. Right. Too. Being who he is, being the man of integrity that's well and loved, even by LeBron James, which is the worst part about all this, is he's basically shitting on LeBron James, saying, you know, talking about how Kawhi wouldn't even get his name in the paper. As if LeBron's like this guy that wants to overshadow his players instead of lifting them up. LeBron's literally known for lifting up his players. That's all he's known for. He doesn't try. LeBron's. Anyways, I'm not going to get into all that. But anyways, Jerry is going to hold the L for me because one, he called the Lakers a shit show. And then they went on to be cool. Not even have to face Kawhi because they didn't even get to face the Lakers because they couldn't even get that far. They couldn't even beat a a young, growing, building team in the Nuggets. Uh, It couldn't hold a lead against that team. You call the team a shit show and they go on to win the championship. Um it just it's a really bad look for especially being a guy of his ilk being the logo of the league being one of the most famous people in sports in general as far as sports ownership and team building and just his name alone you know and his legend uh it's a bad look i know it's allegations but i i, I feel pretty certain that that's just that's factual because there's bad blood now that he's over there in Clipperland, and he thought he was building. You know, him and um, um what's his, Mr. Microsoft over there were building. You know, this this Steve Ballmer, this LeBron uh, Kryptonite team. You know, uh, that fell flat, and uh, you know he thought, but in hindsight, who, who, on this on this in this uh, show, who did who never bought that? Yeah, oh, that would be me too. Who never bought that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought they'd be. I mean, I thought they'd be a legitimate contender. They'll be, they'll be back this year. Oh boy, they're worse this year sure. than they were yeah, last. They're far worse. This got guys leaving the Clippers to come join LeBron. Montrez. They're a lot better. <laughs> but LeBron, anyways, LeBron's gonna break a leg. Just anyways, here. that shit show that went on to win the, the all the jewelries. Um, uh, yeah, Jerry West, buddy, you legend. You 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 have a track record of success, and I'll credit you with that. But in this instance, it's a bad look. For you and all the people that associate with you and your business, do me a favor, old man, and hold, hold this L. L. Jerry West heading south. Yikes. Holy shit, man. It's crazy. The logo himself, huh? Shit show. Yeah. Right. I, I wonder how much longer he's going to be the logo. I think they're going to end up changing it. It's got to be LeBron. If it was my vote, I, I would put Michael Jordan. I think that, that yeah. he needs to be. Yeah, I, I really. No, I don't know if they could Dude, use the logo the, of him. As you can't jump use man. the jump man. You can't I mean, use unless the jump he sells man. it to them. Yeah, I, I would like that. to see them use Michael because it just—it's more up to date. Michael's the biggest legend in NBA history. It, it just—it makes—it makes all the sense in the world for that to happen. Should second, be, should be Jeremy the second Lynn. greatest player of all time. Should be Jeremy Lin. Should be the logo. Sure, LeBron yeah, James. Insanity. So, um, mine's mine's kind of a dated one uh, that that's also very relevant at the same time. I, I made a prediction earlier this year that uh, Marcus Mariota was going to be the quarterback, the starting quarterback for the Raiders uh, this season at some point because I felt like Derek Carr was going to shit down his leg and eventually, you know, give the opportunity, the pathway for Marcus Mariota to take over. Well, that did happen last night, <laughs> and De- and I, I don't want to make light of an injury because yeah. I, I don't think it's funny. I mean, this is their livelihood. These are these guys' livelihood. And I don't want to make light of Derek Carr's injury. I feel mm-hmm. horrible for him. That sucks. He will recover, obviously, from it. It's nothing like a life-sustaining injury or anything like that or a life-altering injury. He'll be back in a few weeks. He'll get traded to the Jags, yeah. 
guys, I, I think Derek Carr just lost his job. Yeah. I know that sounds crazy because if you and I know Raider fans will try to crucify anybody that's even hints at that. Guys, this is Derek Carr's seventh season with the team. And they've made the playoffs one time. And when they made the playoffs, guess what else happened? Derek Carr wasn't healthy. And they lost in the first round of the Texans. Was it Connor? Matt McGloin, I think, maybe was their quarterback no, at the it was time. That, I thought a rookie. Oh, no. Wh- whoever it was, it wasn't Derek Carr. That's the yeah, point. Yeah. And here we are. The Raiders were as close to the playoffs as they have been since 2016, the last time Derek Carr sustained an injury. And Carr gets hurt again at 29, soon to be 30 years old. With the contract that he has, I think it's one year left on it with the with the Raiders. Marcus Mariota's 26. Mm-hmm. Not only that, I, you can debate who's the better quarterback between the two. The fact is there is a debate. Two totally different players. Second of all, yeah. the reason, the biggest reason why I told you guys that I felt that Marcus Mariota was going to ultimately be the Raiders quarterback in some time in the future. Connections there. Mike Mayock loves Marcus Mariota, the GM of the Raiders. And if Mark, if Mike Mayock's going to be there, he's going to want a quarterback that he believes can help this team lead themselves into victory. Guys, I don't think Marcus Mariota is the answer, but I feel like he's the answer for right now for the Raiders. I think he's going to finish the season. I don't think we're going to see Derek Carr for the rest of the year. And I think that you're going to see Marcus Mariota play well enough to create a legitimate quarterback controversy. I think he played well enough last night with some of the touch passes and mobility that he mm-hmm. has that Derek Carr he just simply good. doesn't. He looked good. I think I really do believe, guys, that we're going to see Marcus Mariota as the starting quarterback for the Raiders next season. I'm not saying he's going to be a long-term answer. I think the Raiders are going to try to go and get themselves a drafted quarterback to make their own guy, get their own guy. Well, he's on the cheat, too, and you but can go exactly. pay players. Yeah. Marcus Mariota is making zero money. Yep. He's making zero money. And he, again, is the guy that built this team's guy. He loves Marcus Mariota. He's got a lot to play for, too. And this is the perfect way for them to get out of the Derek Carr contract. Because this is an excuse. Well, Marcus played well, and you got hurt again, and you're 30 now. Like, we don't really, (laughs) you know, like, we love you, but you're not really the guy. Like, you didn't take us to that next level. That's what it's going to come down to. And Derek Carr's not a spring chicken anymore. He's not a young, developing quarterback. He is a veteran quarterback in this league. Would Derek Carr find another job? Yes, because Derek Carr is good enough to be a starting quarterback in this league. He is a top 15 quarterback in this league. But Derek Carr is not good enough. And if you can save money and get yourself another average quarterback to buy time to get yourself your guy, you have to do it. Mm -hmm. You have to do it if you're trying to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs, not to mention Herbert is a absolute phenom in, in, in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So now you not only have one all, uh, transcendent quarterback and Patrick Mahomes to deal with, now you have Justin Herbert to deal with for the next 10 years. Yep. So the Raiders are really up against it, man. They're really up against it because they're paying Drew, Drew, uh, John Gruden $10 million a year for the next seven years. You better put the best team possible out there. The best way of doing that is getting yourself a quarterback, and I don't think that Derek Carr is going to be that guy after this season. I really think the Raiders are going to move on from him. So the L is going to go to my guy, Derek Carr. And, I, and, I, and again, I feel bad because I know he just had an injury. has nothing to do with the injury. has everything to do with production and results. And they're just not there. So my guy, Derek Carr, Mr. Block, everybody on Twitter, but can't put up the numbers to sustain a winning season every single year. My guy, do me a favor and hold, hold this L. L. Carr blew a flat. Well, episode 95, man. It's... Uh, we're going to be at, what is it, five weeks from now, we'll be at episode 100. Five weeks from now, the playoffs will be going. 
we could be really looking at ourselves. We have to map that out. I, we might be in the AFC Championship by episode 100. Mm. I know we got to, you know, we're not trying to sound arrogant here, but I think we feel very confident the Chiefs will be in the AFC Championship. No doubt. Episode 100 could be when the Chiefs might be going to back-to-back Super Bowls. That would be special because if anybody remembers, anybody's been a life a long-time listener here, episode 50 came when? <laughs> when the Chiefs played yep. in the Super Bowl. Yep. And that was that was the 50th year since the Chiefs had played in the Super Bowl. Just saying, guys, the Spoken Podcast has this weird-ass attachment to this team. Numerology. It's, it's weird, man. You can check out our horse <laughs> The stars are aligning. Check out our scopes <laughs> of Aries. No, I don't know what the fuck any of that means, actually, but this is a fun episode. I, I usually like to get a guest on, man, but like I said, we've just had a lot of moving parts. It's the holiday season, yada, yada, yada. Um, next week, though, we are going to – because the Chiefs are going to be going to – or no, the, the Falcons are coming to Kansas City, mm-hmm. rather. Yeah, our um, last two games are home games. We have our guy Ryan Lowe, who does his own podcast. I think it's called Split the Uprights. He's actually going to have – he's actually going to be on our show next week. Ryan Lowe, really excited to get his thoughts. Nice. This guy is a draft connoisseur, an incredible guy. And I'm really excited to have him on the show next week. So that's going to be our guest next week. Um, and then we'll see if we can find somebody for Gold Chargers Goal. But in the meantime, it was us here, the trifecta in the house. Uh, we want to thank Clay Windler for being a an absolute uh, absolute lifesaver for us on the production side of things. We want to thank Gat. She just had a major surgery on her tonsils, man. I, I can't even imagine how rough that's got to be. But she's out there kicking ass as well. KCPN is healthy. We're doing great things, guys. I really hope that you guys stay close and, and tune in to other, our, all of our other shows. We have other sports shows on this thing as well. We got lifestyle. We got culture. We got hip-hop shows. We got all kinds of cool stuff. So get on there. Get Download the mobile app for KCPN. And just hang with us, man, because we give content every single night of the week. That's awesome to be able to provide content to people every single night, seven nights a week, man. We're pumping out content, and we love it. And we're only growing from here. So thank you guys for being here with us. But for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for Clay Windler, for Gat, for Derek Hurd's groin, I am Lance Twidwell. Episode 95 of the Spoken Podcast is finished. Finito, we done. Until next week, we have this bitch. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the spoke. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>